We have like 500 comics to talk about today, and all I want to do is dive into Immortal X-Men number 10. <laughs> and that's going to be the last that's one we talk about. That's all I want to do. Like, I, let's just burn it all and just talk about the Sins of Sinister prelude. We don't need to burn it all, but we can go quicker than normal through some of them. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm just wanting to talk about Immortal X-Men 10. <laughs> but also, your name is Justin. If you're new here... Yeah, we got so many comics to talk about. We and were on vacation last week. Yeah, we were on vacation last week. It and, was awesome. You know, we brought the mics. I even had the comics with me, some of them. I read some of them. Yep, yep. On I, vacation. I read them. I didn't remember them. I read them all again today <laughs> because I had no idea. Like, what even happened? I knew Legion of X was a mind buster. Yeah. As it usually is. Per usual, sigh. Ah, la sigh. I mean, we say this every time. We're like, we're going to do it. We're going to record on vacation. No, we're not. We're on vacation. Yeah. we. We're... I think we've done it like once or twice. Yeah. There was. I think we did it at the lake. Yeah. And that was it. And that, no, I think last time we went to the mountain. Last time we went to the mountain, we did it. It was because we were by ourselves, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, we can, we can disappear for a couple hours and, and go hang out and talk about comics. But when we are entertaining family and friends. Yeah, it doesn't feel right to just kind of. And there's drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right. Should I give us the rundown so we can get to it? Yeah. All right. We are talking. Ready, friends? Buckle up. Love Unlimited, number 32 and 33. X-Men Unlimited, numbers 69 and 70. Dark Web Miss Marvel, number 2. Dark Web, Mary Jane and Black Cat, number two. Dark Web, The Amazing Spider-Man, number 17. Wolverine, number 29. Legion of X, number nine. X-Men, number 18. Dark Web, Venom, number 15. Deadpool, number three. Dark Web, X-Men, number three. And Immortal X-Men number 10. You want to just leave that out? You want to just, let's just talk about Immortal X-Men? No. All right, then let's talk about the news. The news, the news, the news, the news. <laughs> the news. The news. Storm is getting her own retro solo series. What? Yeah. What? A row. Nuh-uh. Getting a little five-issue mini Whoa. with Anna Senti and Sid Kutan. Sid Kutan was the artist on the Gambit and Row series. Oh, that is very exciting. Yeah, so this will explore. She's in her mohawk stage, but it okay. also looks like she's rocking some powers, which is a very specific short period of time when she was mohawk but still had her powers. Mm, right before... Life Death. Life Death, which, which we just talked about with X Reads, and uh, that podcast will be out sometime. Sometime soon. Next sometime couple of weeks. Soon. Sins of Sinister. Ooh, there's there's a checklist. There's a, The final covers have been revealed. Oh, gosh. It's really it. just the hype machine. I posted the Dominion cover today. Mark Brooks did a Emma Sinister design that I'm in love with. Yeah, that's it's hard to not read into some of the covers yeah. and, and question where we might go and especially where we went. Mm-hmm. But hey, the colorists' day. 
is coming up, like celebrating colorists in comics. I think it was the 24th. I didn't actually write it down, but Marvel has a couple of articles sharing what their colorists drew inspiration from. So like the the panels, the issues, the artists that inspired them to be who they are. That's so dope. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. And especially some of the names that I recognize, which was great. That's awesome. Happy colorist day. There's there's two interviews that I have the links for here and then I didn't actually end up going back to and reading. <laughs> but there's one about Firestar with Steve Fox and Andrea DeVito about the annual and mm-hmm. about bringing Firestar to the forefront. It's on Marvel.com. And there's another one with Ben Percy talking about X-Force and Wolverine, Ooh. specifically about Beast. And oh. I did I did read the first couple of bits of that because it also had some preview art and a cover that I posted. So you got I got to do I gotta, it. I got to scroll, scroll through. And that was on, I think, CBR, Comic Book Resources. Could be wrong. No, it was CBR. Excellent. I don't know if this was new information, but I maybe just read it for the first time. The Free Comic Book Day 2023 Avengers X-Men number one features a pair of all new stories that set the stage for the next evolution in mutant adventures. Oh. Fall of X. First, X-Men ma- masterminds Jerry Duggan and Joshua Cassara give fans a peek at the drama to come at this year's Hellfire Gala. That's right, X-Men masterminds. And reveal the surprising fate of Captain Krakoa. Ooh. Then superstar artist Javier Garon joins Duggan for a story that features the rise of Stark Sentinels and lays the groundwork for an uncanny new team book launching later this year. Oh, Jiminy Crickets. Plus, meet Jonathan Hickman and Valerio Skeety at the crossroads of science and magic with a sneak peek at their upcoming mystery project. That's like like everything I want to read. Mystery project. Yeah, that's been teased for a little while now, only only with some character designs and light details. Mm. Fei Long. What about him? He's in the background. Oh. Invincible Iron Man number two came out this week. Oh. Yeah. I picked it up because, I don't know, Black Panther's ending. So you need something else. Something else, right. Gentle is in Black Panther, which I think is still pretty cool. That is cool. That's, that's all like the news, news, news. The news, news, news. But we have kind of news. We touched Rocco. Oh, yeah. We get to hold a piece of Rocco and a piece of the um, summer's lawn yeah from the moon yeah that was so cool yeah we went to the main gem and mineral museum and we got to meet dr larry stifler yeah who is the founder and like director and head scientist of the museum we were in like the space room with all the space rocks and they the, so this museum has the largest collection of mars rocks or mars asteroids in the world. In the world and the largest piece of Mars. And then they also have over 50% of the world's pieces of the moon, like pieces of the moon that are on Earth are all at this museum. So we were, we went there, we were in the space room and yeah. this- We're just hanging out there and this guy was like, hey nerds, you like science? Hey, he was the most adorable man. And he was like, hey, do you mind if I like, this is my museum. These do are my rocks. if I give you like a private tour of the museum? You want to hang out for an hour and ask questions and just- hear my life story it was yes it was awesome i don't know if you can gather we are big museum people we, we love, love museums we love reading all the plaques i love a museum at anything and just learning everything we spent over i think over, three hours in that museum oh yeah three hours in that museum i was gonna say the uh the maple syrup museum oh that we went to a couple gosh. years ago we just got lost in it it was ridiculous but but so we're like over we're looking at mars and they have this little thing where you can like put your finger on a piece of Mars and I like went to do it and he was like don't bother 
you're going to hold Mars. And I was like, what? What? Huh? And then he came out with a piece of Mars and a piece of the moon. And it was ridiculous. It was. It was so cool to hold them. Definitely a once in a lifetime experience. Yeah. Check out that museum if you're in Bethel, Maine. Yeah. We have two polls. Two polls. Because we have two weeks. Oh, gosh. Worth of comics. So you have and poll number one. I don't even one. remember what the comics of the first week <laughs> you were. You just read their titles. <laughs> no, I mean like the content of them. I know. That's why I had to reread them. All so, right. Hit me. Legion of X number nine. Mm-hmm. X-Men 18. Mm-hmm. Wolverine 29. Mm, X-Men 18 was the winner. Yeah. Uh, 43%. Ooh, 55%. Legion of X in second place with 29%. Off my game. And the Bubs coming in at 16%. Woof. Woof, Bubs, woof. But still, I I thought that was a great issue of the Bubs. I think Mm -hmm. it's hard when you're competing with fire. Right, right, right. And week two, this week, the current week, Deadpool number three, Immortal X-Men number 10, Dark Web X-Men number three. Well, Immortal X-Men number 10 won. Yeah, yeah, it had to have. By like, I would say 68%. Ooh, 76%. Dang. Oh, uh, you'll, get, you'll get them next time, champ. Don't worry. I feel so upset. Oh, come on. And then, obviously, Dark Web X-Men beat Deadpool. With 17%, Deadpool coming in with 7%. With a couple big picture questions. Oh, big picture questions. Wise Guy 73, 1701. Wants to know if we think that books connecting to each other is leading to the fall of X, which is still a while away, a couple Mm -hmm. months away. But, I mean, it makes sense. I think there's some plots that are tying up. Just the fact that what I read of that Ben Percy interview seemed like the long game plan is coming to an end, if not a quiet end or or a next phase because he also had some interesting things to say about what Beast is prepared for. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I definitely think when it comes to Fall of X, that being just such a heavy statement with its title definitely has to have some ramifications or like effect on all of the issues and all of the titles, right? There's got to be something that happens that plays out because it's going to be huge for Krakoa. So I definitely feel that the interconnecting of them is taking us down that path. That's a line-wide crossover for X-Men. For sure. Azor's Tiger Comics is ready for Sins of Sinister. And when I tell you, so am I. So am I. Mm -hmm. Preview of issue one just dropped. And I was looking at it right before we got ready to record. (laughs) And it was was a couple pages that I'd already seen, but with dialogue, which is great. Gilbert Rojo, 1022, wanted to know top character of the week for you both. And this was for the first week. So it was a little tricky. Top character of the week for the first week. You want to know mine? Sure. Laura. And that's a cheat answer because there's two of them. But definitely Which Laura. One? Both of them. Together. Finding some kind of harmony, but like with bristles. We ain't friends. But we are alive. <laughs> I don't like you, but I acknowledge you. Basically. Um, you're all Gabby to me. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> you're all Gabby to me. Uh, and I can't pick the same? I mean, you can do whatever you want. There are no rules. Okay, same. Same. There's just a couple of lores hanging out. a couple out. of lores. Gilbert also asked what our favorite book of the week was for this week. For this week? Well, Immortal X-Men. Immortal X-Men. Immortal yeah, we just X-Men. got the same answers. Just a couple of samies. Samesies, samesies. All right, you ready to dive in? 
Yeah, let's do it. What do you want to start with? Let's start with uh, Love Unlimited. Love Unlimited. 32 and 33. Yeah, I think we're talking about it just narratively, like right. big picture. Big picture. And and not to gloss over it, because this was great. You should definitely read it if, if you have not, it. If you're not, it's so, like, I love the art. Yeah, I love the, the character. Just what they're doing for Karma, what they're doing for Swan, and even mm-hmm. renaming or, or correcting, correcting the pronunciation. The pronunciation yeah. Yeah, I mean, essentially what we're doing is we're seeing the unfolding of the lack of relationship that now exists. Right, so at the, after that first issue, which we kind of covered in the last episode, mm-hmm. but you hadn't read yet, Karma and L broke up at the end. Yes. And there's some interesting conversation with rogue which is just so delightful i love it i love it. it's just like rogue and karma hanging out at the bar blob serving as the bartender therapist talking about his love woes and just how you know those telepaths they knock him out yeah so essentially like the first issue was a recap of of karma trying to figure out what happened and you know spilling her heart woes to rogue and it ends with Danny. Elle and Danny in the corner. And what then we do? pick up like essentially exactly where we left off. Rogue, pretend we're in deep conversation. She's like, Sugar, we, we are. are. What are you oh, talking about? Sugar, we are in deep conversation. And part of that conversation was about Tran, mm-hmm. Karma's brother, which was a plot thread that was a big point of Vitaela's run on New Mutants, but then kind of put to the side for a little bit. Fine, because it was only, what, like a year ago, half a year ago? I don't know. I don't know. Time. But space reality, (laughs) but to see it now come back with the potential to be affecting other mutants. Yes. So so he's he's working through how to control his powers. That's what Karma was basically saying. And then all of a sudden we we have Kate walk in. She has an announcement to make that there's some weirdness happening with mutants. And we get this like one really awkward kind of moment where Karma and Kate. Karma and Karma kind of like <gasps> Kate. And then like everyone gets affected by Karma's powers for a second, which I think means like she got distracted by Kate walking in, which is like, is she in love with Kate? Did they she have a She lost thing? control. Yes. And took control. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Uh, there's there's something happening with some mutants and it seems that Karma knows that it's her brother's involved. Right. You see by the word bubble, you see by the the language that Cannonball is speaking. You got the, the glimpse also of like the pink eye situation that happens for Karma's powers. But when we're talking about Tran and him with their family, you see that it happens for him in like a light blue and mm-hmm. you're seeing that affect the mutant be affected by that. So... It's interesting. I definitely like this story a lot, and um, I love the art. I really like the the like bashful moments. Yeah, and some of the layouts are really great. This was written, penciled, and inked by Trung Le Nungyen. Love it. That's awesome. It's cool when someone does the whole thing. Yeah. Well, colors by Triona Farrell and letters Ariana Maher. VCs Ariana Maher. Ariana. <sighs> okay. So next up. We've got X-Men Unlimited, number 69 and 70. And I got to tell you, Nature Girl is out of control. She's been out of control. She's continuing to be out of control. Get out of here, Lynn. But she's got a new friend. She's got... Gwen Warren. Spider Girl. Yep. No, <laughs> but yeah, not that's... the kind of Spider Girl you think she's going to be. Does she look familiar? 
maybe not familiar to you because you don't necessarily know Gwen Stacy. Well, she does kind of look like Gwen Stacy. She does. Because is she, she a is, clone of her? She is very much so a clone that of Gwen Stacy. That is ridiculous. Yeah. She's a clone of Gwen Stacy. Well, that makes sense because in the first issue, they're kind of talking about how she was a clone that got kind of messed up. Yep. And So she is a... So her name's Gwen Warren. Mm-hmm. Her only known relative is listed as Miles Warren, the jackal, who is mm-hmm. like the Spider-Man version of Mr. Sinister. <laughs> right? So... He birthed her. I don't. I don't. Uh, and, he created and, her. And she's also got some mutant DNA mixed in, relative to Cyclops, because Miles Warren did this in an old Sinister lab. And you know who loves Cyclops DNA? Mister Sinister. Mister Nathaniel Essex. Yeah, Remy said that this was the deepest cut Steve Orlando has pulled, and that's his wheelhouse. Steve deep Orlando cuts. is the deep cut city. Yeah, but so. This girl, Gwen, she's just chilling in her apartment with her friends and then whoopsies, something spider. triggers her and she turns into a giant spider and nobody wants anything to do no, with her now. Nobody's into being her friend anymore. So Nature Girl comes in and she's like, let me save you. Come be part of my team. And then the first thing they do in the next issue is go basically take revenge on a lake. And Gwen's like. Not Why into are we it. doing this? Like, I thought you were saying you wanted to like get revenge on people who hurt you and save things, and instead you're just poisoning you're just basically water, doing evil things because it makes you feel powerful. And Gwen kind of like goes to step back to Lynn, and then Lynn's like, "Hush, hush, child, I'm in charge." Yeah, well, I think it was kind of like a, a group understanding of, well, we both have been wronged in ways and maybe this is the only way to do this. Plus, the real bad guy is horticulture. Right. And that's who we're after now. And I do want to mention the the debate between the council over Curse's resurrection mm. because I thought that this was really strong. Yeah. This conversation about how can we help someone who needs it, who, whose powers are not within their control. Right, How yeah. can we have a place for Proteus and Omega Red, but not for Curse? What I thought was really interesting in that was what Colossus said. Yeah. was like about basically like, their well, we value. could use right. Omega Red and we could use Proteus. For the motherland. So it was worth it for us to resurrect them because they had some use to us. And I also think it's interesting that Xavier's like, yeah, well, the decision has been made. We're going to resurrect Curse, but we're going to send them to the altar. Right. We're going to make them someone else's responsibility, even though the altar is like... responsibility, even though I don't trust my son. And the altar is kind of destroyed or kind Mm. of getting messed up. Hey, we'll talk about it in Legion of X. Yeah. Is written by Steve Orlando, art by Emilio Lasso, colorist Rachel Rosenberg, letters Joseph Bino. He sees Joseph Bino. You know what? One more thing I wanted to call out in that. I liked that horticulture made a nod to the harrower and how she kind of like defected from them. Yeah. And now she's off doing her own thing in Deadpool. Yeah. Everything's connected. Everything's coming up Millhouse. <laughs> Old Simpsons reference. Get I know what it is. Oy. All right, we moving on? We're moving on to Miss Marvel. Dark Web Miss Marvel number two. Um, well, this book... It's got Dark Web on it, but not really Dark Web in it. So this is what I'll say. This will be the one title that is kind of unnecessary in the Dark Web story. I don't hate it, but... No, I, I honestly, I don't think I've really read much Kamala Khan. Mm-hmm. And I do enjoy her attitude, her character. I like her character. I just, I like her 
just friendly, optimistic nature. I like her relationship with Miles Morales. Yeah, I think that's cool. Also, I like that Miles and Peter are like both Spider-Man at oh, the yeah, same yeah. time. I don't think I realized that. Yeah, they don't. They're not just like, hey, Spider-Man two. Yeah, they're just Spider-Man. Hey, hey kid, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. So essentially, we're kind of getting some some backstory on the evil bird person. Guess what? He's re- a resurrected scientist inventor thomas edison from the past thomas edison's coming no that's thomas jefferson come on now but the real story is all about kamala in limbo wait we have to tell who the rest of the bird the bird there's a whole crew of bird inventors and i think it's kind of crazy there's philo fonsworth or Philo Fansworth, I don't, Farnsworth, I don't know how you say that one, but Leonardo da Vinci, Nikola Tesla, and Marie Curie are all these like weird bird people. And, and Kamala's kind of distracted, taking care of them, getting out of limbo. I really like the art in this issue. I do too. I really like just, I think it's the, the crispness of the lines and just the vividness of the colors. Mm. And especially when Kamala's in limbo fighting with the demons. And just I like, love when she's in limbo fighting with the demons. Right. Typical demons versus a cranky teenager. And they just, they want to get rid of her now. That's so funny the way they want to get rid of her and how she gets like so big. And she's like, you puny and I'll crush you and I'll keep talking until you do what I want and let me out of here. And they're like, okay, get her out of here. I can't listen to her anymore. Just in time to see the mosque. Or JCM, as they like to be referred to as. Yeah, I thought that whole situation with the mosque was kind of questionable. It was dicey. It was, yeah, especially a little, a where little we, dicey. That's a good. That's a good word for it. Where we end up with at the end of just you know, the mosque with a message of generational tolerance and trying to bring people together. I, I see what you're doing and you know it's it's strange. It's it's interesting that the demon mosque wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. But hey, you know, it, I also think the weird feeling is what we were talking about with the first issue and how kind of sacrilege to yeah. this this culture and you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and there was even like the one comment that I was like is this is this a, a nice thing to add in or is this a questionable thing to add in when Miles is like, do I have to take my shoes? Like, so basically Kamala oh, yeah, is saying... Culturally acknowledging. Yeah. Kamala's like, hey, I have to deal with these bird people. Can you go deal with this mosque for a second? And Miles is like, okay, but to save these people, do I have to take my shoes off before I go inside? Yeah. You and get a pass. You get a pass on that. Honestly, the more I read of Miles, the more... I don't want to collect his issues, but I do want to read more of his issues because Mm. I do love Miles Morales. I love the video game, and I just feel like I would really enjoy his and Kamala's comics. I I do, too, and I I like their dynamic and their friendship. I think it's really cool. Essentially, though, as it connects to Dark Web, I feel as though it's the most on the outskirts and it has the least impact on the story as a whole because it's more like, oh, Inferno, Inferno, Dark Web is happening in the city and their universes are just sort of like affected by it a little bit or their worlds are affected by it a little bit. I mean, bit. that was kind of tie-ins to Inferno. It's interesting that this is less, like the core story of Inferno is the core story of Dark Web, you mm-hmm. know? But then there were a lot of other, like Daredevil has a couple of issues that just Matt dealing with the fact that there's demons everywhere. Yeah. What would Miss Marvel do? That's that's Spider-Man's problem-solving method. I did like that. Yeah, I like their dynamic. I like how he's like, also, you're not just 
the Muslim the Muslim hero, hero you're a hero you're everybody's for all. hero yeah. I thought that was really great too I really enjoyed it but dicey <laughs> but but you know I was like ee, a couple times the mosque looks cool as a demon mosque you know it just it feels weird yeah this was written by Sabir Pirzada art by Francesco Mortarino Color art by Dono Sanchez Almara and Fernando Cifuentes. And letters, Ariana Maher. VCs, Ariana Maher. That cover, Marco Cicchetto and Matt Wilson. I did like that cover. I did too. It's a good cover. Even though Maddie is not in this issue at all. Not at all. I just like to see her. It's almost like they're coming out of the web. You know? Mm-hmm. Literally and figuratively. Let's talk about Black <sighs> Cat, Mary Jane... Mary Flip Jane it and reverse and it. Black Cat. I love this book. Really? Good. I really do. It's funny because I think this is the last one that ties in to Dark Web, but then there's three more issues, and I'm going to continue. And guess what? What? Three more issues of the first arc. Oh. But there's more Mary Jane and Black Cat to come. Oh. oh, thanks, Moreline, for letting me know. Because <laughs> I don't know those things without you people. <laughs> but yeah, there there will be more. And this might have to be a comic that I continue to read because I really like their dynamic. It's really fun. It's fun. It's good. It's great. So <laughs> we're at dinner with Belasco. We're eating what potentially could be a unicorn slash also Belasco's skin? Yeah, well, you know, it's a job interview etiquette. And essentially, we ended our last issue with Belasco saying, like, I'm here. I'm here, and I need you to steal something. And what he needs them to steal is his soul sword. Right. Which at first I was like, when he just said soul sword, I was like, is he going for magic soul sword? Because I'm not okay with that. Makes sense, but, though. But he's not. He's going for his own soul sword. And it's trapped in this crazy screaming tower. And they have to battle all these other demons and people from other dimensions. And also, also Sim. Yeah, also Sim's there. Um, in order to get it. Because there's so many people that are going after the sword. Because this sword will help them take control over Limbo. And that's, you know, if you know anything about Sim and Belasco. They're they want to be in charge. Fighting for control. Yeah. Which, I mean, again, this is a, a looser tie-in to the overall Dark Web story, but because of the events of Dark Web and what's going on with Maddie, it gives Belasco this advantage or this vantage point to kind of try to scoop in and take control of Limbo. So that's interesting. I mean, I liked the just the... The pacing of the story, I really enjoy the art. I think, you know, these two, they they head off on an adventure. The whole conversation between the two of them when uh, Mary Jane's like, I'm going to use my powers. And Black Hat's like, maybe not pudding. Maybe not pudding, girl. Like, you got pudding last time. Remember yeah. that pudding. That's not going to do anything for us. Everybody's calling her jackpot. Jackpot. Right? Mary yeah. Jane, because of, you know, you hit the jackpot tiger, but also the slots. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. And just the interesting connection to the skull yes. and what that could mean for her power. Comic Extracts pointed this out and how just a fantastic plot device that could easily come back mm-hmm. if Mary Jane continues to have this ability. Yeah. There seems to be a device. I think I noticed it last issue that she wears on her hand. Yeah. And so they go they go to this tower and in their journey they're like attacked by these other 
demons that have been trapped in this tower because they went in there and they tried to, you know, get the soul sword, but then they got trapped inside there and who knows how long they've been in there and they're hungry. Fresh meat. And that's when the pudding joke comes back. Well, Tasty if I blood. did have pudding, I could probably avoid them. Yeah, because feathers are not going to defeat bloodthirsty demon hunter monster things as they jump into this pit and i love the asides of like well we're falling to our deaths but i still don't know if i can tell her that i'm in love with peter yeah and they think oh all is great we're finally saved we the grappling hook caught on to something we can get out of here and who is it but that comes to their rescue guardian angel sim simmy sim sims what will happen next i like this it's I fun do too. Warline wants to know if we think MJ somehow time traveled and the six month gap was longer for that because of that. I think so. Just based on the way that she kind of was like, yeah, six months. Right. You well, know, and then the editor's note is like, hey, check out Amazing Spider-Man number one for more details. It's like, OK, but Amazing Spider-Man number one has the tease of more details, but we still don't have those details <laughs> Now, what, 17 issues later? The details are not there. They're coming soon if you read solicits like I do, but they're not here yet. No, I really enjoy this. I really like the art. I really like just their relationship. I like their characterization. Mm -hmm. Warland also pointed out the fact that it's kind of odd that Felicia feels like she can't tell this to Mary Jane because Mary Jane has moved on. She has a new husband with kids. It's, it's, it's not that odd. Yeah, right. And it's, and it's also different because... She has gone on with someone else, right? Mm -hmm. Someone outside the friend group. And this is someone who is like, they're friends, I assume. Peter is a very important person to MJ, right. whether or not they are it's involved. Like, it's like this like touchy space of even though your friend has moved on, it's questionable if you date their ex, you know? I don't think that Black Cat thinks or Felicia thinks that MJ would be like oh no now that you want him i'm gonna go back to him it would more be like this awkward space of like well now like, that's like i don't want to hang out that's with you guys like a no no territory like i don't know yeah it's, especially an ex of that caliber right sure, like right. it's not like a casual oh, we just dated for a few months well it's it's and but it's also an interesting back and forth because felicia and peter have been involved before that's what i was gonna say i was gonna ask like they've been together in various ways, not not anything for an extended period of time, but certainly at times throughout continuity. Mm. Also, just want to say that I love this cover. I think they both look beautiful. Like, they're gorgeous. I'm obsessed. Give me those credits, babe. This was written by Jed McKay with art by Vincenzo Caratu. Color art by Brian Reber. Letters, Ariana Maher again. VCs, Ariana Maher. J. Scott Campbell on the cover. Let's go. All right, our final dark web from last week, The Amazing Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man. What Which, is this issue? This is just ridiculous demon nonsense. I mean, it's funny. It's funny it's, and it's tormenting Peter. Here's what I, I said to Justin after I finished Parker Pete this Man. Issue, this issue, I said, oh, so Dark Web is an X-Men story. Because even though Ben is in it, he seems to be Maddie's partner in crime. It seems like he's sort of spiraling into more so just enjoying to get 
the chance to torture Peter, yeah. then he is actually accomplishing anything. I mean, he's got his goal. He's got his wishes. He wants his memories. But is he actually making headway on that goal? Mm, we'll see, I guess. We got, what, two more issues, three more issues after this. We got a Venom, another Amazing Spider-Man, and the finale. The, the Dark the Web dusk. finale. Oh, man. That cover is creepy, though. Yeah, that cover is very creepy. JRJR. I like it a lot. So the end of last issue, Peter got dumped into this weird demon version of the Daily Bugle. And something (laughs) bad will happen if he doesn't go to work. Right. So he's going to work. Something bad. I think all of his friends and family members are going to get killed. Yeah, yeah. By demons. So So he's going to work with these demons who are trying really, really hard to recreate the real world. But they don't have 100% of a grasp on what the real world is. They really want Johnny Jonah Jones or whatever they call him to be mad at Peter. They want him to yell about tasty photos of Spider-Man. Get I just those tasty pictures. <laughs> Parker Peter Pete Man, I love this this hero demon. Yeah, I don't know who he's this so demon weird. is. But he's so in love with Peter Parker. He's so, like he is inspired to be better because of Peter, and Which I just feel cool. like that's so interesting to see how I was talking about this at work today. Just are people evil? We were talking about Lord of the Rings because of the whole <laughs> breakfast, second breakfast, elevensies, afternoon mm-hmm. tea, uh, luncheon. Right, so. Is there necessarily evil within people or is there just a corrupting force that can make them evil? So like mm. the ring, no matter how good you are before, you can be corrupted by its desiring pull. And I just feel like it's so interesting to to be inspired by Peter's selfless acts to, to save him. Sorry, mm-hmm. force of habit. You know, I just have to save people. Right. This is what I do. I'm Peter Parker. Give me those tasty pics. Oh my God! And and Jonah's bed. Okay. <laughs> Jonah's bed is it's like so Come funny. To bed, Jonah. It's so ridiculous. And he's like, "Please, Peter, get me out Please. of this place." Yeah, the Insidious Six, which I kind of liked. So Ben is creating versions of Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery with demons. A, yeah. And with a twist. This this one shot page. I do of love everyone. them. That's they are so cool. And what's my favorite? So the the rogues gallery comes in and one of them says something that really cracks me up to Peter. He says, hello, crawl waller. Not even close. (laughs) Not even close. And they just, they keep on calling him out. You're butchering these names. You guys are not doing a good job. It was fun. It was silly. I think this is still. The gist of it is that Jonah and Peter are trapped in this crazy, weird version of their lives in limbo. Ben wants Peter to eat this devilish apple that will make him give up his memories. Jonah's like, don't do it, man. And Peter's like, no, don't worry, I won't. And the, the little demon who wants to do better has now become Wreck Rap. Wreck Rap. Parker backwards because they said they didn't need another Parker that I had it backwards. So say hello to Rec Rap. I wonder if this character is going to continue in any way, shape or form. I mean, potentially. This Could happen. was created from a small piece of symbiote that was then also influenced by the little Spider-Man t-shirt that the demon was wearing. So cute. It was so adorable. He's super cute, that little demon. I loved I loved the fact that Robbie Robertson doesn't know that Peter is Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. 
to my knowledge. And he just comes in. Jonah knows. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man just comes in the window. Oh, yeah. Parker got away and he recruited me. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> Nobody questions it. It's fine. Spider-Man's just here and he's here to save us. Nobody ever questions it. Comic book magic. Yeah. This was definitely one of the more ridiculous issues of this well, event. Like, I'm not mad about no, it because I liked the it ridiculousness. It was fun. Yeah. It was really fun. Warline wants to know, how does Ben know that Pete hates his journalism days, although he can't remember that Peter hasn't been in journalism for almost 25 years now? Which is interesting. That's, I mean, sliding timeline aside, because mm-hmm. 25 years, that was probably only a year and a half, two years in Marvel time. Oh, Jesus. Maybe maybe like three, right? What do they say seven years for every one? I have no idea. They say seven years for every one. <laughs> but it's interesting, the selective memory that he seems to retain. But that mm. also, he has holes in his memory. He right. has chasms in his memory. And that, you know, that he is the effect. He could have like a sense of like Jonah yelling at him, but not much else, which could be why these demons are getting it all backwards and wrong right. because it's based on Ben's spotty, spotty memory of it. Right. And to think about, he likely has a little bit more connection to some more memories that he has from years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So years before when he actually had his identity and was Ben Riley and was the Scarlet Spider, mm-hmm. was Spider-Man. We're almost done with Dark Web. We got the the three from last week, the two from this week, and then three more. Very exciting. This was written by Zeb Wells, art by Ed McGinnis, inks by Cliff Rathburn, colors Marcio Menez, letters Joe Caramagna. This is Joe Caramagna. That cover, John Romita Jr., Scott Hanna, and Marcio Menez. Loving it. I'm, I wait for the day where there's no VCs on uh, a letter credit. Like, it's just some freelancer. What will we do? What will I do? You will you will say VCs and I'll say no. No, I sh- always make sure. I don't just say VCs. <laughs> I know. I, I've noticed that. You check it. Because I'm not going to be calling somebody VCs when they're not VCs. None of I them bet. are VCs. Oh, my Lanta Let us not themselves. get into that. And instead, talk about Wolverine number 29. I love this cover. This cover is amazing. I love the split. I love the different characters. Uh, I'm curious as to what Danny is doing here. Yeah, but it's interesting. You know, everybody else checks out Omega Red, Mystique, a little questionable. Well, they have a history, but no, I I love I love Lionel Francis's art. Mm-hmm. He got a lot of crap in the early days of Hickman's X Men run, and was actually then replaced on the title. But that's a bummer. Yeah, no, I really like his art. Are we doing this one for realsy reels? Does it get a page turn noise? It gets a page turn noise, but it's still... Higher level. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Page turn noise. Wolverine is reliving his pain. Oof. In that interview that I was talking about before, Ben Percy pitched this arc as Krakoan Weapon X. Oh. Because someone asked, the the interviewer asked, like, this just feels like Beast is doing to logan what weapon x did to him and it is right using him as a tool using him as a weapon especially the mindlessness of it all and kind of like trying to erase his memory from what he's doing you know right and as wolverine is fighting through this krakoan stasis and his own self-image the way that he perceives himself his history and it's interesting because during this sort of 
process of him being like cocooned by Krakoa, you know, you really wonder, is Krakoa trying to help Wolverine get his memories back? Or is Krakoa feeding off of him? Or is it both? Yeah, it's kind of a mixture of the two. I I don't know if Krakoa really even knows what they're doing, especially Mm. as they're still influenced by Sabretooth, right? True. And I love seeing all the Krakoa-fied versions of all of these memories, you know? We had a number of pages of Wolverine just fighting through Krakoa, talking about who he is on the inside. And it's a really interesting monologue as he's trying to break free, trying to be someone that he recognizes and wants to be. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how he's really connecting to this idea of his reoccurring pain Mm. is this thing that keeps, keeps coming up for him, keeps him going. He says over and over again, I bleed and I scream, but I never die because I deserve to keep living as long as that means I keep on hurting. And we're at a title page, the pit, the beast agenda, the Mind Garden, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Juan Jose Reap, color art by Frank D. Armata, letters Corey Pettit. VCs Corey Petit. And that cover, like I said, Little Francis Yu and Romulo Fajardo Jr. And then we have that magic finger. Dead Fool's Key to Krakoa. I just This was such a weird payoff from a couple issues ago, and I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I was waiting for this moment. I was waiting for her to come in and be like, I got this finger, and I need to come here and say, hey, Wolverine, help me find my dad. Yeah, because he's, he's nowhere to be found. He's fighting through all these demons. Lady Deathstrike is here. Just digging through Wolverine's mind. Krakoa is searching for memories, searching for something, trying to understand the pain that is Wolverine. This this that one page is one so page great. with everybody, not everybody, but like some some greatest hits of Wolverine's trauma and his pain, not even including Sabretooth, who gets his own section of the book later on. Honestly, as he should. It's interesting. Like, how does Krakoa have access to these memories? Do they live in Wolverine's mind even without his memory backup? I wonder if it's because Krakoa sees everything. Hmm. So it's not that Krakoa is, like in this instance, with showing the beast sections. Like I think maybe the past memories Krakoa had access to a Cerebro or like those are deep ingrained in Wolverine because he had them before his backup or something. But these other moments with beasts, like maybe Krakoa saw them. Well, he wouldn't have been able to see when oh, they were at the Legacy him. House, yeah, right? No, you're right. He wouldn't have. So there's there's some things that make me feel like all right, it's, it's embedded in his brain, especially the sequence as the brain is rebuilding itself, and just Krakoa doesn't look friendly. No, you know? they no. they no. don't seem to be in a positive state of mind. Even just the fact that Wolverine can feel it feeding on me. The more I hurt, the more it eats. Mm-hmm. And they just just tear each other apart, playing through all of the terrible things. You know, this is almost like a like a X lives, ten lives, one shot. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's some things we kind of covered or didn't really cover in the last one that we're gonna just pop in here. Some moments that we missed that still need to be highlighted. Mm. And this saber tooth, I love the floral mane behind it's his head. Honestly, so amazing. It's so good. Krakober tooth. Krakober tooth. Sabroa. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. 
onto a data page, Sage's logbook. So they are aware of the psychic imprint of Sabretooth on the island, which is interesting to think that. I don't know if they update that at the end as Wolverine fights and defeats Sabretooth. Mm. But it's interesting that they know that yet still threaten to send Sinister into the pit. Right. Well, that's the thing. X-Force doesn't always tell the council everything. Right. So I just feel like that's a really like Doug. Where's Doug? Doug is in pain, crying in the corner because he's right. being separated from Warlock and all the craziness that's happening in Legion of X. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Those darn kids are back. Yeah, we got our, our fan favorite kids that have been throughout this series breaking into the point and sneaking up on Sage. <laughs> Just like, wait, what? Who are you? Why are you here? How'd you get in here, you darn kids? Uh, well, we have this human girl here and uh, she needs some help. This fight continues with Sabretooth. Pretty epic. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the art is so great. The faces get me. Like, the, like this face of, this face of, exactly of Sage. What, yeah. Like, yeah. The action is great. And the, just the pain, too. Yeah. Like this one. This panel with Sabretooth almost electrifying Wolverine at the top of a page. Mm-hmm. Wolverine finally makes his way out. Claws his way through the craziness of Sabretooth, takes down. Well, the, the sneak attack was the control collar, the mm-hmm. thing that had been controlling him under Beast, and then electrocutes the heck out of Sabretooth, almost releasing all of these this painful all memories. All the demons. There's a bunch of words from stupid Beast that I don't want to read. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> You're dumb. We hate you. And Wolverine breaks through the ground just in time for Sage to come over and be like, hey, uh, this kid here is looking for you. And Wolverine's like, I kind of know who she is, but everything's a little foggy. That's interesting. Like, If you're Sage, what are you thinking right now? Like To see what, what how do you not know me? How, right. What's going on? Next issue, Father Knows Beast. I mean, if I was Sage, I would be like, what did Beast do to you? Right. Because clearly Beast has been up to nonsense, but also X-Force doesn't seem to care. Yeah. So to have a full issue, not acknowledge it. Yeah. Big picture. What'd you think? I really enjoyed this issue a lot. I thought it was really cool to see Wolverine sort of coming back into his own and working through, um, you know, his demons to get back to himself. I think the tying in of what's happened with Sabretooth and the pit is really cool and seeing that come into another book because we saw it so much in Sabretooth and then and it's even brought up in Sabretooth and the Exiles and just having it interwoven into Wolverine is is also great and the more the closer we get to all of Beast's sins being revealed the closer we get to his demise hopefully I mean, that interview would make you believe that he's got some more steam Ugh. in that engine. Ugh, dang it. And that he is prepared for what's coming. I am not okay with that. Moves and counter moves. Yeah, Wolverine has been great month after month lately. Mm-hmm. It raises a lot of questions about resurrection and the nature of the pit. Mm-hmm. The fact that Wolverine defeated Sabretooth's evil, I don't know if that means it's cleared up. But I also I wonder just how those memories are embedded in there yeah it definitely makes me think about it but i also think about ben percy as a writer and the way that he talks about how he has things plotted out i feel like even if he's not making it clear to us he knows the answer maybe he does maybe he doesn't but how does the sword going through your chest make you travel through time we're not going to talk about that one (laughs) it's fun it's fun 
Michael Fox, I'm just ready to see the conclusion of the Beast vs. Everyone because we've built it up as much as we can. I don't know. Uh, at least the Beast agenda that comes later on, all the covers of multiple Beasts on them. I'm, I'm curious to see what Beast's endgame plan is because he's really building himself up as this terrible villain that doesn't actually see that he's a villain. He still sees himself right. as doing a positive thing. Like, you, we're a government. The The interview, again, I'll reference it again, but Percy was talking about the fact that Wolverine was going to walk away from X-Force. Mm-hmm. And you can't have that. You can't have your one of your greatest field operatives, your murder machine, walking away. Like You need that as a nation that needs defenses. You need to be able to protect yourself. But I also feel like Beast, in his twisted mind, was more thinking like, what if Wolverine, like if Wolverine is not on my team and not under my quote unquote control, then he can work against me. He can share my secrets. Yep. Like I think for him, it was also about just having that control over Wolverine. But what I think is so interesting about this story is like both that comment about, you know, we're, we, we've already seen how crazy Beast could be. Like when do we get the yeah. the finale of it? And my feelings about it is that Ben Percy is like, y'all don't even know. Can we get much crazier? That's the thing that's so insane is that we're all, as readers, we know, obviously, X-Force knows some of it. But we know so much more than they know. And we're so ready to see him taken down that we think, oh, that's got to be it. It's been building for so long. The fact that Ben Percy is like, nah, man, there's more. And there's more. And this guy is nuts. And he is doing the dirty more than you think he is. Like, that's where it's cool because it's an unexpected level of crazy. You know, you're like, okay, we've reached the crazy. But have we? Right. Yeah. X-Reads podcast, Wolverine continues to be excellent. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. Comic extracts, Wolverine was so satisfying. I only wish Krakoa and Logan worked on their actual relationship. Kind of a loose thread. Mm. So just the disgruntled nature that Wolverine has had with the island and the actions that the island does on its own behalf with the Ten of Swords, with everything that's happened before. Yeah. Interesting. Eric Huffman, so did Bub's mind and memories come back because of his healing factor, not needing them put in? Yeah, that's Could interesting. Be, right? The, the, the mind brain. was healing itself? Yeah, because you, okay, I don't know enough about the science, but I know that there's, I know you have, you're, you have muscle memory. Sure. And I know that like things live in your senses, right? Like, or live in your brain, your sense of smell can trigger something if you hear something that can trigger something so i wonder it's it's interesting right to a degree of at what point is wolverine's dna like the dna that they have on file because later not to get to not to get into immortal x-men right now but yes when they in immortal x-men they mention that their goal is that eventually they won't need sinister's dna backups anymore because every time they create a new version of a person they have a new dna backup of them right because now you've got a new sample because you've got you made the person well i think that that was them saying that they were cataloging the dna as they were doing it right but what i'm saying is if you like if every time you resurrect wolverine you re you re-put his brain in and then let's say you take a new DNA sample at that point 
or it's from the point before, then that DNA has more stored memories than the DNA sample before it. So if your DNA can store memory, then – because there's all these theories too about like your your ancestral DNA and ancestral memories and, and emotions and triggers and things being passed down through your DNA. So – if that if your DNA is what stores your memories, then the the more recent the sample, the more memories it has. Well, so then, what's the cerebro? You know, I, I just that's the question. Is like okay, so if your if your memories are stored in your DNA, is the cerebro because he even has his powers, he even has his healing ability, right? Well, it un- even has the senses. It unlocks it. Well, your X gene is part of your DNA, so that would be within your your husk it's your your memories or your database or whatever that's being restored and maybe it's more like it's uploading it so that your brain doesn't have to go through that process and process it Hmm. i don't know yeah warline's asking so krakoa manipulated wolverine's mind to restore him i wonder if it did so to others for whatever reasons Maybe. Like the others that were saved in the pit. I mean, you want to talk about someone else that has a similar power set. Sabretooth has a healing factor. Yeah. Could have been, but he also wasn't mind wiped. Right. When he went in and he had his full, it's interesting. So Sabretooth, instead of recovering his past, went into possible futures, Mm -hmm. right? So he did all those crazy adventures of what he could have gone. Yep. The other five or six or however many there are on the exiles, I don't know that they were in there for very long. Right. Time probably runs differently in the Everywhere. On to Legion of X. Legion of X, number nine. That cover is creepy, but awesome. It's insane. I really like the colors of the cover a lot. And just the creepy nature of all of this demonicness. And here's what I didn't really notice about the cover before. But now seeing this, the tower in the background all covered in that warlock technology technology situation. Yeah. We got demons. We got Legion. We got Charles. We got a page turn noise. Let's go. Page turn noise. This data page talking about the random transformations all around the world. Anybody could be subjected to this monsterify magic. Which just, just straight up just kind of slaps you in the face with trying to have any theory about where this could be coming from. Right. It's like, yeah. no, no, you don't know. It could happen to anyone at any time. You're all at risk. And we see examples of that as we get a recap of some instances of it happening all around the world. And Charles Xavier has come to chat. Just a little no-nonsense father-son conversation. Oh, no-nonsense until I zap you. Yeah. A little sneaky zap that we don't know if that's his powers or something Uh, that he brought with him. Let's talk about it. What is he doing? Because... You don't have that kind of power, Charles. You have mind power. So what kind of electricity nonsense are you doing right now? Uh, I don't know. Some kind of, I I don't know. (laughs) But also think that we are not in the physical plane. So I guess that's true. Being in the astral plane, his mind powers could manifest in more of a, a physical relationship, right? Because technically everything is of the mind. That's true. 
Fine. I'll give it to you. And it's a title page. Parental control. A voice in the wilderness. Written by Cy Spurrier. Pencils by Nitho Diaz. Inks by Sean Parsons and Alvaro Lopez. Colors by Java Tartaglia. Letters Clayton Coles. VCs Clayton Coles. Ben Harvey on that creepy, creepy cover. Loving it, loving it, loving it. Oh, look at Nightcrawler's shapeshifting mother. Come to mommy. Give me a hug. Give your mother a hug. No. No. What's up with you? Step back, mother. You're nuts. Show us your true form, you demon. Yeah. She's not a demon, though. She's a witch. She's a witch. Sorceress. Yeah, she's too powerful for hugs. (laughs) And she wants something from Nightcrawler. She wants to be empowered by him and that connection. And she's like, all right, you won't give it to me? Then I'll take it myself. I will attack you. And Pixie tries as best as she can with her soul daggers to block it, her soul blades. But, you know, a soul sword might have blocked everything. But soul blades. Not so much. Sorry, Nemesis. Oh, Dr. Nemesis. I love his crazy transformation. Someone take notes. He is so hysterical. He's like, oh, crap, this thing is happening to me. But science, mm-hmm. let's document it. Urge growing to make fun guy puns. <laughs> this data page on the notes for the winding way mm. is essentially what gives us our reasoning why Margali does what she does, right? To to get the good, you need to do the bad. Everything is balancing. It's always it's taking a left, taking a right. So she need the light and the dark, right? So to do to to redeem herself into the light, she's doing this bad, necessary contract work that we find out later on is with Orcus. Bad, bad girl. Bad, but we're not there yet. Mm-mm. We're at the Babel Spire, the, the t- Tower, the Narthex, which I didn't know that was the name of. Now, let's journey back, back in time to House of X and Powers of Ten, the Tower. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's been since. I'm just saying, the right. Tower. And then, like, because. Ever since that showed up in X-Men 7, that was questionable. My brain is just trying any way it can to wrap its mind around the fact that through this process, we're finding out that Nimrod is here. Right, right. And I don't, I don't get it. Well, Nimrod is an end state of nano-sentinel technology, and it seems to have also merged with Technarch technology. Yikes. But we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Right As, now, Doug is crying. Doug's crying because his heart's broken. Warlock's broken. Everything's getting ripped apart. Well, if Warlock's broken, then my heart is broken, too. Mm-hmm. Forget-Me-Not's heart's broken, too, because no one remembers him still. Which is going to come in handy, finally, in this issue. Mm-hmm. Handy, really? Yeah. He can. He is not affected by what's happening because even the badness can't remember he exists. Huh. I'll find it. Hold on. Pretty sure it looks like he's dead by the end. He says... Kane, it's Zabi. You know me. I'm inside the Narthex. The portal didn't move away from me like it did for the rest of you. I guess Krakoa even doesn't remember me. Mm-hmm. So he can still... Right, so he can get inside, but on the last page, he, he did. Okay, yeah, but I'm just saying... <laughs> it's, it's an interesting caveat to his power, yeah. 
Yeah, he's dead. Okay. Anyway, I skipped a bunch of stuff. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. The scream of change from Vox Ignis trying to find what has gone on with Doug, with Warlock, with everything that's happened before it. You were talking about this page on our Patreon episode yesterday. I love this page. I just love the layout of the shape of a sound wave and the increased intensity with with each panel. It's just, it's great. Mm. It's really cool. I like the layout a lot. And we get to find the motivation of the intruder, this person or, or being or technology mashup coming into the altar from the astral plane to essentially create destabilization, but also surprise, hey, I found out that Warlock can give us so much more than just a distraction. Warlock is actually fed in and connected to the entire island. So that's our in. So look up at the tower. That's always been a big hint at, you know. Destruction is this, coming this is for you. a big you. deal. <sighs> Back to freaking Charles. Yeah. It's excited David and, and proud, deceptive Charles as they tore the altar. and Basically, you, Charles was jealous. Yeah. You did what I wanted to do, but I couldn't. Look at him crying. I'm crying because, David, I did a bad thing to you. But now we get to see... The final madness of, I called him the arch nemesis. <laughs> oh, gosh. The fight breaks out. Look how big his head is. Yeah. Black Knight is not having any of this, but neither is Nightcrawler as he protects his mother. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's an instinct. Yeah. You know, sometimes a gig's a gig. You take the contract because it is what it is, and you have to do some terrible things to balance your magic. As Orcus reveals itself. It's just terrible. Chaos is happening in the astral plane. Things are coming undone as Mother Righteous makes a last plea of like, hey, David, you can take this deal. You can you can still come with me if you want to live. Come with me because you, clearly your father is destroying you. Look out there. What What, what is that? The psychic hurricane. It's a technarchy. It's a what? what? No, they can't get here. The blooms that they thought that they had eliminated in the last issue or two seem to have kept on growing in the astral plane. It's not looking good, folks. Right. So it's interesting. Like This piece feels separate from the piece that infiltrated through Warlock. Mm-hmm. Right? The thing that infiltrated through Warlock and then was hinted at in that, that scream of change that was in all of David's personalities and mucking things up and then hitched a ride back to Krakoa because of Warlock, mm-hmm. right? Technology can only really communicate with technology until it then embeds with the island through Warlock. I don't know if they're not connected. I feel like that, that those were the like scouts and they they infiltrated and they set up to have these others come in. Not connected in the sense that they are different beings. Right, but I think it, they're on they the are, same team. Oh, 100%. They are working together to subvert and take over Krakoa. But they're not both the Technarch, right? No. It One's seems... whatever the next higher... That the one, you know, the Technarch doesn't know that they're working for the... The Phalanx. Yeah. Right. So one's the Technarch and one's the Phalanx and we're all screwed, basically. But it's not really the Phalanx because it's like kind of Nimrod or, or Sentinel nanotechnology. It's something I don't understand. I mean, I understand what you said. You've helped make it clearer. But I still am like, well, what? In like a scared way. Yeah. 
as this psychic wave starts to infiltrate and take over the entirety of Krakoa, everyone that's sleeping, dreaming, or connected to the altar, now this wave has a way into their minds. That's so scary. Yeah. Like, that's so scary. There's so many mutants who could be sleeping right now. Yeah, this destruction from the inside out as Juggernaut and the team are trying to fight it off, trying to fight through, and they get a, a note from Zabi, a call to Kane for help. Something is forming from the inside out. What is it, you say? Oh, Krakoan technology sentinels and a Nimrod Krakoa tree. It's just, you know, absolutely terrible. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how this is possible. But I'm excited about it because it is absolutely terrible. And it's so epic looking. I don't know how this th- this could not get wrapped up in one issue before Sins of Sinister. So no. I don't know where this goes. Yeah, that's a good point. Among Us Stalk the Sentinels. Done. Next. Done. The final issue before Sins of Sinister. Even though it comes out after Sins of Sinister starts. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I mean, I really like Legion of X. And I, I said this last night on... Uh, the Patreon, we kind of did like a brief talk about these issues, was that Legion of X is dense, but the storylines are really interesting to yeah. me. So I feel like I enjoy it more than other stories that are dense, but I feel like I don't know where they're going. Or I, I want I to la- enjoy it yeah. more than I am, but I'm excited by what's going on. Yeah, I really like all the different threads, and I, I'm interested to kind of see if they are connecting ever or if they're sort of setting up two separate ventures, right? Like, is this going to then split into these two other stories or two other titles or because it seemed like very connected in the beginning with David creating the altar and that being a place for like a hub for Nightcrawler's team. But now that They've sort of split in these directions. And then we've got the whole thing with Mother Righteous happening. I don't know that this title continues after this. I mean, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But it feels like it's setting up things to kind of jump off into other things. I mean, I said the same thing about X-Men Red, but that was proven wrong. That's sacrilege. Sure. Um, I want to ask you here and now for all the people... Are you are you you you're doubling down on Mother Righteous being the hearts? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. No she doubt. She is the sinister of hearts. She is the heart sinister. There was some like, oh, what what's going on in Immortal X Men? Like, mm-hmm. is someone else in there or what's that? No, I think it's Mother Righteous. It's I don't think it's uh, Peacock Man. Hundred percent Mother Righteous. Do you think? Mother Righteous is a sinister for good, like has turned the tables because it seems like, I don't know, I I don't get the same like nefarious vibes from her. That's because she's not playing all her cards. She's just, she's a sinister for herself. Okay. Yeah. I I hear what you're saying in that she's not actively evil, Mm -hmm. but she's also shown some pretty dark visions to Legion early on of what would happen if... He could potentially accept this this deal. Remember that one where he was at the head of Krakoa and everything yeah. was all messed up. And I don't yeah, know. I guess that's true. I just think it would be interesting in the dynamic of that there the some four good... sinisters that one of them wasn't evil. Yeah, no, I know? I agree with that. I just 
I just haven't you seen it. It's, it that's not possible. All sinisters are evil. Yep. <laughs> that's what we're learning. Yeah. This this gave me brain explosions. Confusing at first. Big things. I think it should have been two issues or mm. just more amount of content, which is something I often feel with this book. It's big. You know, it can be really good, but there are also so many ways that it confuses and overwhelms. Yeah. It's one you really need to to talk to somebody about, I yeah, think. Yeah, read a couple times. Grim Alcon Lane says the Margali Zardos of it all loved her appearance here, plus Indra, Choir, and Glowworm. Just all of the, the deep cuts coming in to Legion of X. So those were some of the people in the beginning of the book that oh, were just randomly yes, affected. Oh, being turned into demon. And Margali being Nightcrawler's mother. original, well, not original mother, but her foster mother, his, his foster mother. Mm-hmm. Michael Fox, why would Margali work for Orcus? Does she secretly hate Mystique for giving her to Kurt? And I think it is because of the balance of the winding way, you know? Mm -hmm. Masterclass 2002, do you believe that Charles can ever be redeemed and have a relationship with David? No. I don't think so. But maybe. It just to, to have heard Ruth's words and to come in with just violence and attack... You didn't and, and even give him a chance to talk. Like exactly, you didn't. You didn't even have a conversation. You just were like, "I'm coming in and I'm shutting you down because yeah. I want to." This is a trap. It's just a. I don't know. Boreas Rex loves Zabi. No one listening to him when he gave him warning was was so tragic. Mm-hmm. Which 100. percent And then Margali, not cool girl, thought that data <laughs> page did a great job setting it up, though, right? Didn't yeah. you have to have the good with the bad. Not cool though. Not cool. Warline said Nightcrawler got the punishment his mother thought he deserved after thinking he killed his brother and knowing his relationship with Amanda. So just Uh-oh. going into the deep cuts of this family dynamic. You can't have a relationship with your sister. I'm going to take you down. Yeah. I mean, that's true. You, I don't think you should do that. <laughs> no. Fabio says Legion Vex is interesting, but it's all over the place. This book needs focus. And I, I agree at times. It's got focus, but it's just got a lot of focus. It's giving me early Krakoan Age New Mutants vibes where it's like multiple stories, multiple threads. There's a lot of stories happening and you're like, is this one book or seven? Unsure. Yeah. Ostar1234 agrees. Am I the only one that's always getting confused reading Cy Spurrier's books? No, no, no. Definitely not. No, but we're working (laughs) through it. We're trying to get there. X-Men. X-Men, X-Men, X-Men. To finish out last week. Number 18, X-Men. Sink slicing through on this cover. With those Wolverine claws. Love it. Love it. Let's get into it. Page turn noise. Starting us off with a quote page. That's the job. Save as many lives as you can and live to do it again tomorrow. Gene? Or was it Scott? It's both. Ay ay ay. They're doing X-Men things, wink, wink. (laughs) We get this recap of where Laura from the vault came from and what she and Sink are up to. And you've brought this up before, but we're we're having these moments of beasts sitting around the council table. Yeah. And uh, it's not, it doesn't feel good in my soul. Nope. I don't know where it's coming from, but I don't like it. It's not good. Those X-Men things are going off to... Help the exterminators. Yes. Oh, baby Laura. I love calling her baby Laura. And (laughs) Roar. She is not baby Laura. She does not like it at all. Hey, kiddo. What am I, Gabby? You're all Gabby. 
That so old. That is so rude. It's so funny, though. I just love that the exterminators are here, and they're still fighting vamps, and they're doing it all together. But before we get into that, we got to get to a title page. Reality After the Rescue. Wounded Wolves, written by Jerry Duggan. Art by C.F. Villa. Colors by Matt Miller. Villa and the Miller. Letters Clayton Coles. VCs Clayton Coles. Martin Kokolo uh, and Jesus Arbatov on the cover. Yeah, it, so they're fighting the vampires, but it also seems like our story has progressed a lot further than we've seen previously. Gives me hope for the future of the exterminators. This whole issue gives you hope for the exterminators. Especially the way, like, the Loras are parting the seas and, like, we're going to go in different paths. Yeah, right. We need more Wolverines for more teams. Mm-hmm. Every team needs a Wolverine. Yeah, but, hey, let's talk about how wild Dazzler concerts can be, <laughs> especially with all this vampire madness. I also just love how, like, happy Dazzler looks. Yeah. Fighting, roller skating through blood. You know, I need to save all my fans. <laughs> They're precious, as Jubilee says. You need every one. Every single one. Jubilee, this line from her about the the two different Lauras. Wait, what a minute. You, you're some time travel shenanigans happening? Uh, future Laura is, a, is feral. <laughs> yes. I love how it's not public knowledge that this is Vault Wolverine. Right, well. Right? Well, because it seems only that the X-Men took her onto the team essentially into right. the treehouse and they're not going to broadcast the fact like we made a mistake and we resurrected laura when we shouldn't have right because that that brings up questions of well you don't well, want other people being like well then resurrect me when you shouldn't right give me a second and also give me magneto powers like right. x-men 7 was talking about mm-hmm. we're splitting off the lauras have to handle their own business they're going down the tunnels they're hunting out the vampires because this is the only way that it can get done. And also the only time for them to have a heart-to-heart, -heart, a truth moment. They got to be alone. We have business. But before we get to that, Orcus is having a station fire and the X-Men save the day. Let it burn, X-Men. Seriously. Let it burn. What are y'all doing? I mean, the whole like, oh, now these Orcus people will remember that the X-Men saved them. Boo-hoo. No, they won't. They don't no. care. This is still very much so their guiding light of destroying your entire species. They're going back home and they're going, ha ha, you stupid fools. We're still going to kill you. I live to murder mutants another day. <laughs> Great power displays from Gene and Iceman. I mean, it, it is a heartwarming concept. Yeah. That they're like, let's save anyone no matter what, right? But at the same time, I'm like, you dang fools, get out of here with this nonsense. I love the question from Cyclops. So what's the station for? Oh, it's a, don't say anything. Yeah. Shh, shh. Don't, we, we cannot talk about this. What do you think it's for, Cyclops? Taking you down. Well, sure, but like specifically, <laughs> what are you doing here? This is an offshoot of everything we've seen before. This is the Bloom, which is a new substation, right? It's not, it's not Phobos. It's not the Forge. What do you They're think expanding. It's for? I'm not sure. Several thorium nuclear reactors and most of the station is effectively a black site with the latest in anti-snooping technology. Interesting. They need to recon on it. And see, that's something that I can agree with Beast on. Yeah. I mean, I kind of also agree with Beast later on, too, but we'll get there <laughs> as we re-enter the vampire war. They can't be saved. 
they they thirst for the blood and destruction. We even consulted with healers. Can we undo a vampire bite? Can't do it. Can't do it. Sorry. I really love this image of Zalora's back to back with their snicks out. Oh yeah, yeah. That almost full page. Mm-hmm. And I I love this image. I love this whole sequence. This yeah. fight and how casual they are about it and how intense they are with their fighting, but then just how relaxed they are in their conversation. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm not and surprised this to see back to back one. Yeah, that's the one I posted. It's so good. And then just the the bite of the arm breaking his teeth. What, do you have adamantium bones now? Eh, Proteus doesn't really pay attention to detail. <laughs> yeah. Just as a as a character moment for Laura, I don't know. Did we get a Laura-centered issue in the first year? I don't think so. I don't think so either, but I'd have to go back and check. Uh, I mean, I guess it was the Modoc one, but even that was just more brushing the surface of the relationship with Sync. Mm-hmm. But this, this feels kind of like you, you're getting it here. Mm-hmm. As Jerry's writing himself uh, another Laura onto the team. Yes, let's go. More Laura. One more thing. I'm happy you get to live a different life, and this isn't personal. But I don't want to be your friend. I don't even want to see you. I wasn't asking to hang out. I feel like like I get it. You kind of rip the band-aid off, but that was cold. Yeah. I feel like the reason that older Laura says that is because it's probably really painful for her to see younger Laura and the life that she could have had oh, yeah. if she didn't get stuck in the vault. Right. You know, and so she's it's it's like, I'm happy you're alive and I'm glad that you get to live the life that I didn't get to live. But I don't want I don't want to be reminded that I didn't get that. Yeah, no, it, it's terrible. Sink bursts Jubilee's bubble and takes off with his love. <laughs> As they talk about having new members drafted to the team later on, which, yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. Don't tease me with it. Just do it. I don't necessarily want exterminators to be an ongoing because I don't know if it can maintain the magic that it is on a month to month basis. But hey, prove me wrong. Yeah, let's go prove them wrong, everybody. But if especially you keep this as a team in the background that occasionally has a one shot or a mini here and there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that totally works. They can fill in whenever Sink and Laura are busy doing the dirty. Busy doing X-Men things. X-Men things. Sex-Men things. Yay. I do love this note about, so Gene's walking into this council meeting that Beast for some reason is at, I guess maybe because he has the intelligence and the surveillance and he's doing a presentation on this. I don't know. Maybe, but he is sitting in a chair and I don't like it. Yeah, well, you know, storms off on Arako. You know what I'm going to say? What is the timeline of this? Is Sinister in this meeting? Has Beast replaced? Have we replaced one evil with another on the council? I don't think so, but maybe, right? You, you're talking about does this take place after Sins of Sinister? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that that would be a huge jump. Yeah, I just don't understand why he's like sitting at a chair. It feels like a very weird choice to make. But Emma gives Jean the heads up about what's going on in this meeting. Another nod to the fact that she is on the side of the Mm X-Men. Emma is a part of that team, even if not officially on the roster, which I think is a great development that's simmering in the background. Emma, Emma, get it, get it. Emma, Emma, Frost. Haven't been able to do that in so long. There you go. Hank's cold nature getting called out. 
by Jean about both Laura being too good to be true and the X-Men saving Orcus members. I mean, both of them, I'm kind of agreeing with Hank that it just seems too good of an instance that Laura was okay, nothing being tampered with, and now she's going to be on the main team. And then also, like, hey, you maybe should have let those guys die. Yeah, I agree with the Orcus part, but I don't want to believe that it's, there's too much happiness. Older Laura is an evil person. There's just too much happiness. And we know that that does not maintain itself for too long. Yeah. And the children of the vaults have been outlined as the biggest threat on Earth other than the Technarch, other than the Phalanx. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Corsair has a brood baby. Yeah. Oh, God. And it's it's looking creepy. And we're tying in to Lord of the Brood into the Captain Marvel story that we've been following. Kind of sad that Corsair's meeting his end over might there. Die, might die, right? It's pretty pretty not okay in my book. Yeah. I don't know how you... Uh, so can you scan him real quick? Can you can you grab his DNA sans brood? Like, I don't think you survive that kind of brood baby experience. No. <laughs> What did you think about this? I really like this issue. I oh, like this issue a lot. Enter the Brood is our, our next tease, but yeah. I, I'm all about the dynamic of the Loras, and I'm loving that the Exterminators are around, and I don't love what, you know, the Orcus situation of it all, but I think this was a really, it was it had moments of fun. It had moments of, like, awesome fighting, it had good story development with what's going on with, you know, answering the questions of are we just going to have the Loras? And they do bring up the fact that like, hey, only one of us is going to be able like right. if one of us goes, then the other one is the one that gets resurrected. Probably. And I, and I love how this is decided between the two of them. Yeah. Older Laura is like, hey, no, I have seniority. I'm going to take it. And young Laura's like, yeah, I'm not, I don't plan on dying. So. That's yeah, fine. It's fine. I'm going to stay alive anyway. Yeah. No, I love this. The interaction between the two Loras, the action, the inclusion of the exterminators, now having that ex- essentially canon within the line. That, yes. You know, th- this is a team. This happens. We all love it. I wonder like, if this was added in or if if that was because of the reaction to the exterminators. You know, like I wonder the timeline of everything. How right. long had this been planned to be a part of this story that the exterminators and the vampires probably longer than I'm giving it chance to. But maybe it was just, hey, everybody's really excited about or maybe everybody internally was really yeah, excited that's what about I was gonna it. Say. I feel like the the X team, like they got their hit. hands on exterminators and they were like, yeah, this, this is, is gold. Good. This we got to we got to bank on this. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. The art is great. Always glad to see the villain and the Mila team up. Laura and Everett teaming up and being the next ex-couple was lovely. It's just happiness all around. A little too happy, if you ask me. There might be some wisdom in Beast's suspicions. I don't I don't trust it without any questions. That's just where I'll leave it. Mm-hmm. Comic Extracts and Rufio O'Connor asked, what should Vault Laura be called? What's her code name? She can't go by Wolverine. No, because... Can't call her Alpha Wolverine or Alpha Laura. No, because the other Laura claimed Wolverine. Yeah. Said, I'm Wolverine, though. Yep. She can keep X-23. Someone said that. She'd go back to X-23. I think that's interesting. I think that was 1407 Grimalkin on Twitter. 
<laughs> the Pratt on Twitter was like, just when you thought saying Wolverine couldn't get any more confusing. Because <laughs> now we have several of them. Mm-hmm. Eric said, Hot Flash Laura. X- oh. X63. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> Geriatrine. <laughs> Faltering. Yeah. No. Rodro Silverclaw. Ooh. Yeah. I like Silverclaw. Yeah. X-Men Legends said Wolverine, Vaultverine, Talon, Old Woman Laura, Fake Vereen. Just giving you options. Fake Vereen. <laughs> I actually like Talon. Yeah, that's cool. But she's got two. Talons. That just feels weird, calling a singular, singular person Talons. Your Talons. Your Talons. You got Talons, kid. I mean, Old Woman Laura makes the most sense. Yeah. Based on the conventions that have happened before, and I think she's even called that in that arc of her her series where we go into the future, the end of the Wolverine series. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Interesting. Any other thoughts on that? Any other suggestions? Nothing else comes to mind. All right, all right. Michael Fox doesn't know how he feels about OG Laura. On one hand, I'm happy for Sync, but also everything felt too smoothed over, as if this was to be permanent. If she is a mole slash being manipulated without knowing, it will just make the heartbreak even worse for Sync. Yes, I agree with that. And I kind of feel like I like old lady Laura. Yep. But post vault Laura, she's my, that's my Laura. Sure. Like that's the Laura that I've known to love, you know? So I, I'm not, I'm not as suspicious of her, but like if they were, if right now they were to say, we're going to do two books. And you can either follow post-vault Laura or pre-vault Laura. I would follow post-vault Laura. Oh, I'm buying both books, so, <laughs> so whatever. No, you don't get to. You only No, I, I'm buying both books. <laughs> oh, you're defeating the purpose of my statement. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So I, I hear what you're saying because that's how you came in. But I think because of how much I loved the vault story and how like that sat in my heart mm-hmm. of for a good year or so of what's happening in the vault. And then we got the most epic love story from Hickman, then teeing up the love story that was in Inferno between Destiny and Mystique. I just I just thought that that was such a great story that I really bonded with the sacrifice that Vault Laura made for Sync to make it through. Yeah, that is, that is lovely. Yeah. I'm Red X Baby says that Sync and Laura, so cute. So cute. They are. They just that's X Men things. We we've been watching Scott and Gene. Well, not like that. Whoa! <laughs> we've been taking notes from Scott and Gene of what it means to be the mom and dad of the X Men, and you know maybe that's year three. They're kind of like more the grandma and grandpa. It's kind of yeah. Would you don't even know that about Sync? Comic extracts. Did they just in universe promises and exterminators ongoing? Yes. Kind of. Yeah. I'm into it. They did. And I'm here for it. Yeah. Eric Hoffman is picking up on that same energy. Lots of hints to an ongoing exterminators and X-Men. Could it be true? I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Mike loves Mariah Carey. Can this be a hint at a future X-Book having exterminators in them? Everybody wants Everybody, it. Everybody. Let's go. Listen, X-Line. I'm really psyched for the upcoming Brood War. I love the original. Mike, same. <laughs> I think I've talked about it before. I love the Brood Saga. Justin's favorite saga. Probably. Yeah. BMCG2. Sync used Jean's powers while she was in space, so distance isn't a factor. It's kind of like that mix of the muscle memory 
It is a factor. It just right. ages it him. It just ages him, right? I wonder if we'll see that or if he'll sink Laura's power. Her power doesn't de-age. I, I am curious and suspicious how he's been hiding that, right? You, know, you can you can shave he as much as you older, want. He looks older, especially in that last image. I'm where talking they're... about the Hellfire Gala where he's meeting with Cecilia and he looks like salt and pepper. Well, he shaved his head. Sure. I just feel like there's a lot of suspended disbelief of that he doesn't look mm-hmm. like he is an older person. Right. That, that but I is, think his, his facial features look older. Like, is he sinking with elixir and, and de-aging himself, giving himself life? Well, I feel like if he's doing that, Proteus? then he's doing it from afar and he's making himself age even more. Yeah. T. Ruiz 7. Where is the main X-Men book going? That's an interesting question, right? So... Is there is there like a, a goal in mind? Is there something that it's building to? Or is it kind of adventures that build the threats and the storylines within the characters? I feel like it's that. I feel like that's always sort of been the thing that... I remember when we were talking about the first arc and it was like this conversation of, you know, this is the book that's giving us the the classic like... Superhero weekly team book. big bad, you got to fight the guy and you do the thing book you know right and i will say the big story that's building in the background is what we found out at the hellfire gala yes right so the fact that emma is in cahoots with scott and gene that they're sharing this information the fact that stasis came through x-men and and to emma the fact that emma shared moira's secrets that they are kind of on the inside of her team Mm -hmm. i think that that is an interesting thing to think about going forward is how does that play in in a division of the council right Right. we've always heard her talking about being over xavier or fed up with where he goes with things and Mm -hmm. if she has this camaraderie with the team how does that play house of rhetorica mutant saving orcus humans sus agreed (laughs) totally it's so weird a hundred percent the pikachu i wonder who will be proven right about alpha laura gene or beast Ooh. Uh, we're wondering i'm on team gene which i don't normally say it's true wise guy 73 1701 i'm loving the alpha laura and sync romance but i'm so worried beast is right everybody is worried <laughs> warline are you getting the vibe that beast is right about laura just as he was right about colossus he was right about colossus he just couldn't prove it right same thing not not swayed not swayed y'all sorry but R.I.P. Corsair, does his message acknowledge kids he doesn't know about mean that someone is going to mention X-Men Legends 1 and 2 in the current era? Or is it just a fun nod to the forgotten Adam? I think it's the second one. Yeah. I'd be surprised if, but with the amount of Shi'ar connection that we have, maybe. But I don't know if they'll ever, I don't know how they would. Like mind scan, but even I think that was all erased from him. I don't know. You didn't even read those issues. You no, don't even know I, don't, Adam I don't know what you're talking about. You don't even about. know who Adam X Extreme is. I heard of him before. Yeah. Well, finally, hey, we're done with last week's issues. Oh, great. Let's get into this week's issues. After a, a break to get some more water. Great. On to this week's books. Venom. Number Venom. Number 15. Dark Web. Fighting. I mean, what happens here? <laughs> this pulls a lot of lore from the Venom series that we neither of us are reading. So I feel like that's the, the confusing part of it. But it's written by Ram V, art by Brian Hitch, inks by Andrew Curry and Scott Hanna, 
Colors by Alex Sinclair. Letters Clayton Coles. VCs Clayton Coles. That cover by Brian Hitch and Alex Sinclair again. Love it. All right. Let me give you my quick version rundown of what I think happens in this comic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Venom, he's not Venom anymore. He's this other red dude. Bedlam. Bedlam. Yeah. And he's fighting Venom, who is his son. Dylan. But there's some confusion because he is he is Venom, but he isn't Venom. And there's ties to the king in black and all the kings in black and all the possible symbiote kings in black. And we don't know what's going on. And he's building a secret team in the background. So he's got this guy who is part of the team and his name is... Sleeper agent. Sleeper agent. Yeah. And he's going to call in another friend. And who does he call in? But surprise, it's Normie. Normie <laughs> is Norman Osborne's grandson. He was at the birthday party. He was at the birthday party. But Normie is now going to become Carnage, kind of. Red but, Goblin. But not fully. Right. And... They can, they're, they're not fully taken over by their symbiotes because they're different kind of symbiotes because because Dylan is cooler. He, well, he wields the all-black sword, right. which so, is also the necro sword wielded by Gore the God Butcher. Okay, Same well, sword. that's information. Yep. And then they, they meet up on a rooftop and they're like, hey, listen, I got to get my dad back and it might mean we got to kill him, but we're going to do it and we're going to go. And I got this other guy hanging out in the background. And, <laughs> and um, also I look like a child, but then I put on the symbiote. Once we put on the symbiote suits, we don't look like children grown anymore. Men. We're fully grown. We're flying through the city. And oh, what what is this? Kamala Khan is here. Yep. And she's going to join the party, but only at the end. And Venom slash Bedlam is like, hey, hey, what's going on here? I I want to be that guy. <laughs> and and then Kamala's like, not today, mister. And that's the end of the issue. Yeah, I mean, that's that's basically <laughs> we are we are without a lot of the history within. But essentially, right. You, you know, we've talked about the fact that Venom is a story about the hive mind symbiote Mm -hmm. and the multiple time points of venom. So Bedlam has existed in those past issues. I think he was in issue 13. uh, The one that was a prelude to dark web Mm -hmm. in, in the garden that he references in this issue. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so that was a future version of Eddie Brock. And I think through the all black sword, Dylan is able to slice symbiotes away from the hive mind that's what it seems like he's doing he's trying to slice it away so that his dad can be free yeah i did a good job huh you you did a great job it was very (laughs) (laughs) it was very high level that's the kind of high level we're looking for as we're that's what happened in dark web venom number 15 yeah I I think the Venom arc has been probably my least favorite part about dark web i'm gonna be honest it's just it's probably because I have tried to read mm-hmm. Venom previously, but then I say that this this issue felt more like the Venom arc that I've tried to read. Last issue felt more like okay, classic Venom is here for some reason. I don't care why, but he's fighting Sink, and that's cool. And yeah. that was a great fight. So I didn't really have a problem with this. This is just pulling up a lot of lore and connections that I don't have any connection to. I don't have any knowledge of. Yeah. And and is that on me? Maybe. No, you can't be expected to read everything. Sure. But also, it's like, 
I don't want to know. Right. <laughs> I don't care. You don't need to know. So that's why we went high level and we're moving on. Well, no, we're not. We have oh, a we're not questions. moving on. It's just a lot of unexplained character history that, you know, I, I don't. Dylan and Normie as the next generation of kind of villain characters. And then you got Sleeper. Crazy. But we do have a couple questions or at least one from Warlion who is reading Venom. Venom 15 is one of the best issues of the current run, and he loved the return of the all-black sword. His only issue is that there are multiple errors with Dylan and Venom. Venom was never a part of the hive mind, so so Dylan bonding with him won't do anything to him except the weirdness of a father and son sharing a body, like a symbiote, I think. Uh, The other thing is Eddie removed Dylan's powers in King and Black, and now he restored it again, so that doesn't make sense. I'll take your word for it, Warlion. Yeah, not uh, nothing makes sense to me. Some good action. Yeah, I mean, I thought the whole, like, bringing Normie in on the situation was interesting. And just, you know, a moment for me to go, oh, yeah, all of this spider universe stuff is connected, right? Because it is. Kind of. Venom loosely. loosely. Venom is doing kind of its own thing. But I guess Dylan and Normie are friends. Sure, yeah. And so. then the fact that Gold Goblin has Normie in it. Right. So I knew who Normie was. Right, yeah. Let's talk about Deadpool. Your boy. Deadpool. Number three. I into this cover. I'm into the fact that he looks like he's working with the symbiote arms. And I think they're the, the cutest little friends once we get into this issue. Sure. For now. Until if you see a cover from the next couple of months, it's, it's bursting through his skull. Yeah, 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 yeah. Symbiotes are adorable. Here we go. Page turn noise. Deathstrike's got a new assignment. The Atelier as her brother. Her brother. Lord Deathstrike. That's his name. Given her a second chance, twice the killing, to get your entry into this team. I like how she's like, it's fine. I was going to kill Deadpool anyway. Right. So I'll just go back to my OG assignment, take out Doc Ock, and I'll kill Deadpool, which I was going to do anyway. It's I'm in. I can nail this. Now for a love story, <gasps> as Valentine and Deadpool have breakfast. I well, like this a lot. Yeah. You made me eggs? Yeah, I made you eggs. They, they look like you. Yeah. People always busting through windows versus my doors. Windows you, are so expensive to fix. You called me cute? <laughs> Why? <laughs> because I think you're cute. And I love the like pet flower petals and twinkling around them. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's intense. <laughs> but I'm not cute. I'm, I'm a bunch of red flags. Oh, my gosh. I laughed so hard at the very first one of these. Man of the hour, see what everyone's saying about the world's most eligible bachelor. Are you high, Wolverine? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is funny. This I, I feel like issue one, I was a little on the fence with the character voice or comedy of Deadpool. Issue two, I was like, okay. And then this one, I was like, all right, yes. This is it. This yeah. is it. You're hitting it. We're good. You found your stride. But the romance is interrupted because, oh, yeah, there's a symbiote growing inside you and it wants to get out. You know, I've been synthesizing some things and that's kind of my mutant gift or my my special gift. Do they say that they're a mutant? No, they say 
my genetic gift. There you go. It's time to take it for a test drive to see how it works in the field. In the field? Well, plus I just wanted to go on a cute zoo date with you. Yes. Title page. I think we need a blurb or a pull quote here. Morning After, written by Alyssa Wong, art by Martin Kokolo, colors Niraj Menon, letters Josebino. Uh-huh. VC's Josebino. I was waiting. <laughs> that waiting cover by Martin and Niraj. This Is this a date, too? I don't think it's a date. Just look at look at going to a diner to plot their. Look at the next page with Doc Ock and just like how smug he looks at Harrower. Hmm. Yeah, but I think they're just uh, plotting the demise. Happy to be evil together. Yeah, a little dine and destroy. They don't care that they've just blown their spot up and destroyed this diner while they're evil plotting. No, they're here to clink mimosas <laughs> bottomless mimosas heck yeah i would hang out here too as we go on a zoo date well they they're gonna be able to find deadpool and this uh little symbiote because it basically has a a, a homing device in yeah it. a homing instinct to return to harrower which is pretty diabolical and kind of interesting mm-hmm. just builds her up she's been plotting as we go to our zoo date, testing Carnage's aggression. I like that Deadpool's like, whoa, wait, wait, you just going to take me here around a bunch of people to test to see what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you saw the group that I'm a part of. The Atelier, we don't care. <laughs> we got to do what we got to do for science. The, just the general confusion that he has as they call him cute again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cute. I love the way the word cute just falls on top of him. Yeah. I think this the art is delivered every issue for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a combination between the color art and the pencils and just the color art specifically. And I think I say it every time, just the textures of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Don't forget, you've got a your backpack is full of drugs. Drugs, Drugs? What? Why would and you say none that? for you, Gretchen Wieners. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah, you laughed out loud. I did indeed. Just a data page with some friendly reminders about how you interact with animals at the zoo. Yeah, as we get a zoo date splash page, it's just the cute is feeding on his mind and just driving him insane. And the symbiote is popping out the back just to eat a flamingo. a flamingo real quick. <laughs> and Deadpool's like, hey. No, don't do that. Don't do I that. Love how adorable this symbiote is. Yeah, yeah, especially Look it's like a little when kid. He like grabs him by the neck and he's like, yeah, he's a little best friend. It's so cute. There's that word again. Carnage Junior. <laughs> is Deadpool jealous of Valentine's affection for? The symbiote. The Carnage symbiote. Maybe I think so. Especially when they keep on throwing the cute title around but guess who else is at the zoo oh we also moved our date here as well (laughs) we're gonna just you know take over these here giraffes create some crazy creatures i I love how unimpressed octavius is with giraffes yeah he's just like giraffes they just got long necks and weird tongues and watch out because lady death strikes here as well everybody just got the memo hey go to zoo zoo. time how does she track them down i don't know she's this assassin and and the homing instinct in my mind feels like 
it draws Carnage to you, right. not it tells you where Carnage is. Right. That's the one thing. Uh, question. Questions. But it doesn't matter because little Carnage is so cute and he just wants them to kiss. And <laughs> he gets so upset when their kiss is interrupted. By an army of evil elephants and animals. <laughs> no, not me, stupid papa. It's just so cute. <laughs> I love it so much. It's so silly. Oh, Yes. The army of giraffe elephant monsters. Oh, yeah, they're giraffes. They're not elephants. But they have, some of them have elephant tusks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Harrower, I know you're here. The giant mutated giraffe was kind of a dead giveaway. Yeah. Oh, also, Listen, Octavius is here. Harrower is not trying to hide the fact that she's here. Yeah. She's like, what's up? I'm here with all my animals, and we're coming for you. And we get a nice little breakfast recipe from Valentine. <laughs> and we're left with our next issue, hopefully picking up right where the fight is about to get intense. Eat your heart out as everyone's going to come in there. Or the cover has Lady Deathstrike coming in from above onto Deadpool. Going to be a cause to evacuate the zoo for sure. <laughs> I would imagine that everybody's running right now. <laughs> they're like seeing these mutated animals and they're like, I gotta go. No, not a zoo day it's anymore. not a family day at the zoo anymore. You love this. Of course I do. Yeah. I love it because Deadpool is hysterical. Baby symbiotes are adorable. Love is beautiful. And action is cool. Yeah, I, I feel like I... I I'm mixed on this title. It's fun. The art and colors are really beautiful. The Deadpool antics are new and different for the character. And I'm interested in where things will go with Carnage. But I don't know like, what's actually going to happen and what's going to go on long term. And How it, does it fit into Krakoa? Yeah, that's the big <laughs> one. Because it suckered me in with the X-Line trimmings. But nothing seems consequential to X-Men at all. We're three right, issues right. in. And the only thing is Harrower and, yes, Deadpool. Harrower's and loose Lady Deathstroke, tie right. to So we have loosely, loosely connected characters to X-Men lore, but no specific Krakoan rela relationship. Mm. Maybe it will unfold, maybe not. Maybe not. Eric Huffman seems like the symbiote is going against its engineering and growing chill like Wade. New little buddy? Yeah, I would love that. I think that'd be a cool little power-up for Deadpool. Not that he needs a power-up. like He's already kind of an invincible assassin with a bunch of weapons training. Mm -hmm. And then to also get a murderous rage symbiote. Everin on Instagram had said, I wonder if this means it's going to tie into the Summer of Symbiotes. Ooh, I am. When they, when they announced that at the con, I was like, oh man, I don't read anything any of those comics but the summer of symbiotes sounds so cool to me you'll read it on marvel unlimited yeah <laughs> warline loves seeing deadpool and carnage and i don't want deadpool to get rid of him That's I don't like either. everyone's on the same page like yeah no this is a cool upgrade for deadpool but i want him to stay cute <laughs> i think he's gonna grow no i want him to stay cute <laughs> i like that we get the head I but just, then everything else, we get the arms in the, the promo like, art. Yeah. Into the Dark Web. <gasps> dark Web X-Men number three. What a cover. Summer's love under the watchful eye of Jean Grey. 
<laughs> I just like how on this cover you really see the similarities. Like you see the cloneness of Maddie to Jean. You know, they're like they look the same. Yeah. If you it, looked at it quick, you could think, "Oh, that's Maddie in the background." I mean, sure. And you know, I have heard criticisms of Phil's art that a lot of the female features look similar. Hmm. But I would agree that it looks a spot on dead ringer for, yeah, they're definitely clones of each other. Yeah. But I, and I think that that's important because it's such an important part of the story. Yeah, sure. Well, let's get into it. Page, turn, noise. Ah, oh, New Jersey. I don't want to go to Jersey. I well, thought listen, it was so funny. Listen. This treehouse can't hold all y'all, and we need to protect you. Yeah. I love everything about what's happening right here, right? Like, Forge and Sink are like, okay, not everybody can stay in the treehouse. And Forge is also like, hmm. I'm the Pied Piper of Krakoa. I don't know exactly what it is about the treehouse that is stopping the demons, but it seems like they can't touch anything Krakoan. So I'm going to spread Krakoa and create a safe zone. Yep. I'm a science man. I test, I experiment, and I further my research. <laughs> I'm going to play my little flute, and these demons are going to be backing up. Yeah, I Because just lo- the Goblin Queen will make them suffer if they don't. Yeah. I love this narrative for Forge and the playoff of the demons to just deduce this and to come at them. And like, where does he get this flute? I don't know. But I love the image of all the demons like getting angry as he's like getting closer and closer to them with Krakoa. Yeah. And they're like, boo, no. You're not supposed to be able to do that. We were doing a thing. Title page, Gene versus Gene. Two redheads enter, one leaves. Written by Jerry Duggan, art by Rod Reese and Phil Noto. Letters, Corey Pettit. VCs, Corey Pettit. The cover, Phil Noto. Being at peace with yourself can sometimes be difficult, even more so when you've been cloned. Gene Gray. Yeah. As we get a love story of sorts... Of Madeline Pryor. I just love Sinister with a chef hat on. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous. He's cooking up some nonsense in the kitchen. It's a chef hat. It's interesting. Warline points this out in the comments of just a lot of this is tricky with timeline of things. You know, the fact that Maddie says that she goes into labor in the kitchen and she does. I, I remember seeing that in, I think, X-Men 200 while she's on the phone. Mm-hmm. But then in here... She's in a hospital bed. bed. Yeah. And then you have this split between Maddie and Cyclops and he's wearing his Krakoan era suit. Yes, that is true. Just some inconsistencies. But I, I do like this visually giving us a recap of what Maddie has gone through. Right. And I mean, I think the fact that this is centering around her longing to have this relationship with her son. And so it's like not only did she lose her love Right. She she lost Scott to Jean, but then Jean got to be the mother to her son that Maddie never got to be. Well, you know, she did go on an evil demon rampage and was influenced by outside forces. I'm not putting that all on her, but, you know, that there were consequences from actions. Okay, yeah. (laughs) But her child was taken from her and people do crazy things for their children. Yeah. 
Gene versus Maddie. Oh, the rage and the power levels. This was intense. Mm-hmm. The colors are so crazy. I love it. Just all the pink, all the, the pink and blacks. So much action between the two of them as they just fight over this. Why are you trying to destroy me? Why are you trying to do this? Why? What are you trying to get from this drive? She wants the missing experiences and Gene has a plan. This this image, the the white background of the shattered drive and Maddie just curled in a ball on the floor, yeah. I think is so telling of just that all of this is coming from a place of pain, you know, and that she's she she's not really processing, obviously, in a in a rational or reasonable way, but it's because she's blinded by her pain. And she's always been blinded by her pain. Sure. Yeah. She doesn't fully know who she is because she's not her own self, you know? Yeah, she hasn't been able to be her own self for her entire life. Right. The failed negotiations just an epic powered girl fight mm-hmm. as Jean frees magic and just destroys everything that Maddie throws at her. Even the demons. Yep. You know, that's nice, but uh, now I'm pissed off. But I'm going to explode that. You know, I was trying to be nice to you, Maddie, but now you've just struck my last nerve. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> like, <laughs> this this three box section in the center. Is, the, is she giving her a noogie in the yeah, middle? She's totally giving her a noogie. And then Maddie's pulling her hair. This one on the next page with the white light and the softness like that was that just mm-hmm. looks beautiful. It is really gorgeous. Snap. You're awake. You know what happened to me when I got to this what did page? I yes. miss? Because you've been singing Thomas Jefferson's coming home for a week. And as soon as I saw that as all I heard in my head, I'll download what you missed, TJ. Don't worry. <laughs> Here's a little recap for you. And uh I, I love both Maddie and Magic. You, you are? <laughs> I love that Maddie is like frozen in midair. Like, I'm surrendering. As You're she's, what? As she's coming to attack. You're after what? throwing literally every rock that she has around her. So Magic's just like, all right, I'm going to go get the rest of the team. See you later. Yeah. I wanted to heal our wounds, but you were too busy throwing rocks to hear me. You didn't want to hurt me. You just want what you missed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really interesting. It just speaks to the empathy of Jean Grey and right. the fact that, you know, she wants to find a way that we can move forward to acknowledge that, okay, this isn't necessarily Maddie's fault that these things happened to her. These were manipulations by sinister, sim, nastier, everything that happened. You know, it's just. Mm-hmm. Ah. And I love this image of the two of them merged. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, the, this setup of shot that Phil Noto has done several times now. This is like the Spider-Man image from Dark Reign X-Men. I think number two, where Emma is trying to understand why Spider-Man is the way he is. He's like his head's in the center. I think mm-hmm. there was one in Cable as well. Just the whole download of what's going in. I call it the mastermind shot. Mm-hmm. Sharing the experiences of the emotional cores of all of her memories with Cable. Everything. Some highlights in the data page. (laughs) The fact that they had a priest observe a goblin queen funeral ceremony. A little weird. It's a little dangerous. I really love when Jean says, Maddie, giving those memories to you doesn't take them from me. Right, which I feel like, you know, hey, Jean, can, can you copy... 
Peter's memories and download them to Ben because yeah, because you'll solve this whole we dark just, web problem. We could just wrap this up real quick. Jean Grey is the heart of the team. Yes, for sure. And you see it here. It's just, how much did you hate this next page? What do you mean? Make the call. Say the words. Oh, I did hate it. Me? R- really? Here, here's your here's your telekinetic megaphone. To me, my X Men. <laughs> I I hate when people do this. Is like, all right, let's get a round of applause. Oh, you can do better than that. Mm-hmm. Come on, let me really hear it. <laughs> Just the Summers boys come running because they can't not when Maddie calls. Mm-hmm. Coming in with new dog friends. Yeah, we uh were late because of the dogs. We were late because we were playing with the dogs. I meant what I said before. The team doesn't need me, and that doesn't mean I'm not an X Man. Oh, just the idea of like what's gonna happen with these two, especially I—I I was not expecting this reconciliation. Mm-mm. This you know, everybody was predicting that. Oh man, this is gonna be super disappointing for Maddie. We did all this build up to then have her go astray and then to have her disappear. No, nah, she's sticking around, sticking around, and she apologizes to Magic. She's yeah, like, I let you down. Let right. me fix it. Right. We must have faith in the writers, y'all. Yeah. Oh, just. This last image, the team. The team. They got to save Limbo now. Plus, we got to return these dogs to their owners, right? Or, or we, can keep... we could keep one or two. <laughs> Next, Dawn. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, we do have, what, two other, three other? No, two other Spider-Man and Venom issues before the Dawn Dark Web, the final issue of Dark Web. But, yeah, it's coming. This is the end for our X-Men story. The core, seemingly, of the yes. the dark web story. Yeah. Big picture. I really like this issue. I thought it was beautiful in so many ways. Like The art was really beautiful. The story was really beautiful. I think it's interesting to see how something that Maddie saw as such a difficult thing because she hasn't had the experience of compassion she just assumed that it wasn't accessible to her. Yeah. And Jean showed her that that's not the case. No. Yeah. You know? And that's really, really a beautiful thing. Classic Jean. Queen Jean. Yeah, I love this. I was not expecting that twist. The turn, the saving of Maddie's redemption, and just an example of Jean's heart. I, I thought it was so good. Throwing a handful of silly jokes and wrap it in some beautiful art. Easily my favorite tie-in series of the event. Mm, yes. X-Men. Yeah, this was this was great. Blonde China enjoyed X-Men Dark Web overall. It was surprisingly humorous and did something cute for Maddie. But what I really want to know is who's going to be on her X-Team. Maybe the Unity Squad. Hellions, but part two and Limbo based. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. That'd be so cool. Especially Havoc and Maddie teaming up. It's mm-hmm. crazy because uh, Blonde China is not the only person that made that prediction or recommendation. Warlion had been waiting to talk to us for two weeks about Dark Web X-Men because of there was a leak. Oh. Uh, so some pages and or issue of this came out a little earlier. And oh. it was actually it was the same thing. So when you redeemed issue two, issue three came up in the screen. Oh, no. But it didn't download for me. That's dangerous. But he wants to know if we think Alex will reform the Uncanny Avengers with Maddie. Every team in the Krakoan era has its purpose, and so having two X-Men teams acting as heroes would be kind of redundant, but the Unity Squad would be a good way to show that Krakoa is still part of the world and doesn't have anything against non-mutant heroes. 
Maddie as an Avenger would rock. I always wanted to see Jean as an Avenger since she's one of the few frontrunner Marvel heroes who hasn't been an Avenger. So Maddie's not necessarily Jean, but it's close enough. Mm. I I don't see Maddie joining the Unity Squad. No, I'm I and I also like I will pose the argument of the blue and gold team or two X-Men teams running at the same time. Sure. Yeah. So could be. But there were two X-Men teams running at the same time that didn't have a line of six to eight other titles. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're right. You're right. right. There's a big caveat. Even Vitorino's joining in. Maddie and Havoc on a possible Hellions book? Yes, please. (laughs) He also is on... The idea of Maddie replacing Sinister on the council. Ooh. Yeah. They do need more magical defenses. It's true. Yeah. Michael Fox absolutely loved Dark Web X-Men as a whole. The issue got to the root of who Madeline Pryor was pre-Goblin Queen and who Jean is. Maddie has always wanted to do good, but has just was dealt a bad hand after bad hand. Mm-hmm. Jean is a bully at times who will fight you, but once she understands your pain, she immediately goes into empathy mode instinctively. The reckoning between these two was a long time coming, given how very little agency each played in their lives becoming intertwined. Yeah, it's true. Neither of them had that that as a choice. Right. No, that just that was sinister. Who I mean, I saw Power of X-Men and posted earlier today, like, hey, you know, it's great that they came together and they did this, but are they gonna come after Sinister? And I hear that because he's the root of it all. But at the same time, he's got his own things going right, on. Right, right. And these two have closed that door, right? right? That would just open up wounds that don't need to be opened up again. I mean, I I would say throw him on the team and mm-hmm. let's go. Michael loves Mariah Carey. They saved all the puppies. Please give us an unlimited issue with them. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> let's get a puppies issue. X-Dogs. I'm happy that Dark Web 3... Didn't need a big fight to solve the issues. I mean, they had a giant fight. It just didn't solve anything. Right. We talked it out. Eric Hoffman, the end of Dark Web X-Men! Exclamation point. Leave it to Jean to give Maddie what she's been missing. Peace and even understanding, of course, after a good old redhead cat fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then he continues with Jean, Jean, get it, get it, Jean, Jean, Gray. Uh, no, sir. Please do not <laughs> do that ever again. I love you so much. Don't disgrace my song like that. Oh, come on. No, Gene is, this is great, okay? I love it, but that song is for Emma. Keith <laughs> Wolf, PJ, okay, I'm at my wit's end here. When did Maddie get her soul back from Sim, and why is she caring about Cable? So this is like a separation from the Inferno story and where she was at at the end of that. And I think, mm. so we were talking back and forth, I think it's, got something to do with resurrection right right we don't really know where the soul comes from in that process or if it's even a part of them but to have that distinction between where she was years ago and where she is now seems like she was trying to reclaim whatever was missing from her previously right and also if you think about the fact that she when she was resurrected she had these like comparing her and ben to having both be clones but also both be missing a part of themselves because they don't really know what happened in that in-between time yeah that's it that's all the questions that we have lots of questions so it's time it's time you've been waiting for this for so long i have for the whole episode yes let's get into it shall we how how do you feel about professor xavier after this issue nothing nothing changed no no i honestly when so 
when you said, hey, can you do notes for this one? I was like, you don't want my notes for this one. Like, I'm like writing things down like, gosh darn it. There's a whole section in the beginning where I missed the detail of the, in the background of Cable picking up Hope's body. And I was like, oh, everybody's gathered for Charles, blah, blah, blah. And then I went back and I realized it was Hope. And then my tone completely changed. I was like, oh, he's carrying out Hope. Like, it's just because I have a bias and I can't stand Charles Xavier. Yeah, all right. As long as you acknowledge the bias. Yeah. Because I just, I loved this issue. I love this issue for what it did for Charles and to just understand his point of view and where he's coming from. And yeah, let's just talk about it. Okay. Cracking that face open. Uh, just getting into the heart of who is Charles Xavier. Dun, dun, dun. And I say getting to the heart, but not to be confused with the heart sinister. No, this is different. Page, turn, noise. Give me a save point. Sinister wants out of here. Too much nonsense after that council battle. He He's going to get out of here, but he can't possibly relive Judgment Day. I love how opposed he is to it. Because Sinister is representing us all. Sure, yeah. I mean, we don't want to live through Judgment Day either. No. Thus begins our Charles Xavier voiceover that will carry us through this issue. Right. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. He's the focus of the issue. And I thought that this did a really good balance of having that be a part of the story, but then also having a separate story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm a big fan of the artwork telling the story and so much of, you know, there's two stories happening here yeah. and, and one of them is being told mainly by the artwork, which I, is awesome. I read this issue so many times. <laughs> I just there's so much intrigue in this monologue for me. It's doing its own work to understand where Xavier is and how the island is in mourning. This idea of like, yeah, it's a dream. It's not Xavier's realistic goal. It's not Xavier's five year plan. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's it's something that I want to work towards. But also the idea that it may, like, what he points out here is saying, like, it's essentially unattainable. Yeah. Yeah, you got to, what, what is it? You got to shoot for the moon and at least you'll land amongst the stars, whatever that cliche is. Mm. I created the X-Men to ensure there was a world where that dream, any dream, could come true. Sworn to protect a world that hates and fears them, but protect it from who? Hmm. And all the while, the council has been destroyed. X-Force is there to clean up the mess. And Cable is carrying out hope because if hope is gone, what do we have? What do we have? We have a title page. We have a title page. Too late for second thoughts. Part 10, Hated and Feared. Written by Karen Gillan. Art by Lucas Wernick. Colors by David Curiel. Letters Clayton Coles. VCs Clayton Coles. Mark Brooks on the cover. Yeah, Mark Brooks. Getting into that data page, talking about resurrection redundancy and just how hope is that secret sauce that brings it all together and amps it up. How could we possibly replace them? Well, we have these two options right here. This is my one qualm with this issue because they say like, oh, these two options could do any of the other roles, but really, could anybody replace Hope? What would we do if we lost Hope? We have to protect Hope. And then... And then they fix it. And then Sink replaces Hope in one page. You know, he, he does have a very strained face as he's doing it. I mean, I will 
compliment the art in this because it is amazing it is just mm-hmm. so beautiful you got to meet mimic for the first time yeah i wrote down in my notes like sink and some other guy are debating who's gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> as the egg simmers and praise everything hopes alive and so is exodus and emma well, and charles and to go back to the voiceover just this acknowledgement of Sinister being this meddling foster parent between both him and Scott and how the fact that they've never talked about it, which mm-hmm. is so like the two of them. I love that. And just the fact that Xavier acknowledges that he's a terrible father, that he has become his own terrible father version. Mm-hmm. I just that was what really stuck out to me about this issue is that he acknowledges his faults. He acknowledges all the reasons like you should fear me. You should think I'm suspicious. Because here's all the other stuff that I could be doing, but I don't because I'm trying to do something better for the world. Yeah, but see, I don't think saying I could be worse than I am, so so take the bad things I do. Like, what I bad don't think things? that that justifies. What, excuse me? Meddling in people's minds constantly. I don't know about constantly. He, he flat out says, listen, Emma's suspicious of me because she thinks I'm controlling the council. And she's right. I could. He says he does. Controlling them, but not with his mind powers. I just feel like you, you're you're destined to want to I hate him. I hate Charles Xavier. All right. Hope's <laughs> alive. Uh, hope's alive, and we're going to get some revenge on Sinister. As everyone's popping out the eggs and sending in a big old team. I love the My X-Men. To me, my X-Men, see what that implies? That they are mine. I called them to me. I chose who to call, which is really interesting to think about. The fact that like he had so many other, and and it obviously is also retrospective editing of, Mm -hmm. okay, those were the people that Those were the OG five, yeah. But it's saying it was intentional that I only called these five, and I called these five specifically for these reasons. As they take on Sinister's base, his secret base in Alaska. That the Phoenix Five have taken down before. Sinister is charging up his Shaw bombs. Shaw batteries, the the ship. Right? Yes. We saw this in a previous issue of Immortal X-Men where it converts all the energy and shoots it back. He's got some crazy chimeras. Like this... <laughs> Eye boy Cyclops situation. And then this Wolverine with claws coming out of every part of his body. Which we've seen pieces of. Like we've seen the things that he's been working on. Mm -hmm. And it's chimeras, but it's not perfected yet. Right? We haven't gotten any true chimeras yet. We've only gotten some genetic tampering here and there. But yeah, this, this page with calling out each of the O5. And then the second team. I expanded the ranks. I just love this as a nod to each character that came before and that formed where we are today to have the X-Men team connected with the council on this mission. Yeah, no, I I really enjoyed this and like kind of getting a sense of all of them and their strengths and, and hyping them up for what they brought to the fight, you know, the fight in uh, broad terms, not just this specific fight. Yeah. As there's a decoy brain, Jean thinks that she's found him, but no, it's a trap. It's a trick. He's got he's got clone Proteuses. Yeah, that's chaos. Yeah, that's absolute madness. 
Indeed it is. This ship. The ship takes off. You see it go off in the distance. And Hope and Exodus are like, not today, Sinister. Yeah, all four of them ready to take it down. Just split that ship in half. (laughs) Just look at the panic in his eyes. I love it. But there is one key question you should ask. Why do you think I was so worried about the potential of mutants with grandiose power? I have a mirror. He's worried about himself. He's worried about what could happen to his power if in the wrong hands or what he could do if he was swayed in one direction. So to know within him is this great evil or potential for evil to be done Mm -hmm. is why he's so scared of what else is out there. It's interesting because there's this like, like I'm only saying this strictly to set to play devil's advocate and to like throw this as like a thinking point not because i'm trying to harp on charles but there's this like (laughs) (laughs) no there's this like theory or like i don't know if it's really a theory is the right word but essentially like someone who's cheating on you suspects that you're cheating on them Mm. so someone who's capable or like committing evil is suspicious of everyone else committing evil so it's just interesting for him to be like, I could be doing so much worse than I am, which makes me think like he's thought about it. My, you know, my eyes almost just rolled out of my head. <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but I just it's, I'm not saying this to say that he's evil. But you know, he's, studies show. I'm just <laughs> trying to bring up other points. Another quote page: Woe to that man who betrays hope. It would be better for him if he had not been born. The Gospel of Mark. Bennett Duperis translation. I, I love this page and the thought of it, right? If you think about if Magneto had Charles's power and what he could have done with it, what mm-hmm. he tried to do with his own power and what he would have been able to do if he had Charles's power. And that, I feel like, underscores what we're talking about here. Right. And then exactly what I'm talking about happens because Charles says, yeah, Magneto could have implanted these things. If he had my power, he could have implanted these things in other people's minds and all the humans' minds so that they would just off themselves. Right. And he's like, but in the sense, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing because he's yet preventing nuclear nuclear war, but he's saying, but I did do that. You know, so it's only because of the things that he's done that he sees the potential for the other things that could happen. I, I Sure. But also he considers all the angles like these things could be done because we're characters that have unimaginable powers to do ridiculous things. So, yes, I, I see because I've done this thing that I deem as good and worthy for the world, I also see the potential that someone could take this, some evil, the Shadow King, for example, to take another telepath, but on the evil side, could have and has done manipulations for good, has taken over people for evil. Mm-hmm. We're not even talking about the art, as the art just tells that story of Sinister being thrown to the trial. There's no dialogue on page. No. There's no. There's nothing as he's just sentenced to the pit. I like how his cape is diminished, it's dwindling. It only has a few little frolicky wisps. cape wisps. Yeah. He's at a new low. Down into the pit he goes. As we talk about a better Krakoa, Krakoa 2.0, something to to build for. As <laughs> Mystique and Destiny are like, nope. Well, yeah, it's so shady of Destiny to be like, we got to go. 
she sees what's happening. She yeah, sees. But she, what's, so say something, girl. To see what's happening, but to also know that this is not the time to act. No, it's just the time to take me and my wife away from it so we don't have to deal with it and the rest of you have to. So we can team up with Storm later on. And I just don't understand the ending. Choosing to be a victim. A martyr. You can't call yourself a martyr. He's willing to die for his beliefs. That's not... That's literally what it means to be a martyr. I just feel like that's like... Something other people can call you, but you can't call yourself. I don't know. That's just my. That's yeah. I just that's fine. It just feels arrogant. I think that that's my issue. Is like I understand that Charles is the, you know, he he's the he's the professor who brings all the mutants together, and that's how he that's how the X Men were written, and that's the story and whatever. But. When you think about the grand scale of all of the mutants and all of the stories and all of the things that have come to be, for me, I don't get me wrong, I thought this was an amazing issue. I love this issue. But what I don't like is the fact that he is basically saying, I'm the reason everything happens. I'm the one who picked all the best people to be the best mutants. And if I didn't pick these people to be the X-Men, this stuff wouldn't happen. And I'm the orchestrator of all of the amazing and nothing can exist without me. I don't know if he's saying that. I just feel like he he has always been the main character because it's X-Men. You know, it's Xavier's team. Mm-hmm. These are the missions. These are the things that he's tried to do. These are the goals that he's tried to achieve. And these are the people that he's associated with to try and accomplish those goals. Well, we go back to his room. Yep. And and this is the part that you are saying. Don't. I don't get it. Sure. Because, I mean, it's like, what? He's a sinister? Okay, we're setting up sins of sinister. But... He's not resurrected with a diamond on his head. And if this is the Charles who's been giving the voiceover for this entire issue. Right. And he's talking about how he himself has been the orchestrator of all of the things and and all of his history and all of his choosing of the X-Men team and his relationships with all of these X-Men and how much he despises Sinister. If he's the one giving all of this voiceover, but he is Sinister, like, I don't understand it. And where did his diamond come from and how did we get here? I mean, the diamond is, so historically, go back to, we've talked about this in the issue where they talk about the the project that Sinister was hiding his DNA in people, mm-hmm. right? And as a doctor working on Charles to do this, he was able to hide his diamond. He was able to, like, Charles could sense that there was energy coming from it, but the diamond wasn't always apparent. It wasn't always visible. So I feel like that might be something. Mm-hmm. And to your question, that's a great question about the fact that if this is exactly the person that's been giving this monologue, how is that... How is that math out with this combination of Xavier and Sinister? Or is it all Sinister? Or is it all Xavier? I don't know. I feel like this is meant to make you ask questions, meant to get you to think, meant to to blow your mind and prepare you for what could happen next. But is it saying that Xavier is Sinister? 
sinister is more than just one person. Sinister is an idea that that's his whole thing. That's always been his thing. And the fact that like we see the future covers, we see the teases of everyone having a diamond on their head. I feel like it's sinister putting himself into different people's genes. Right. But I always saw that as like, they're all like just kind of chimera clones of sinister. Like those are all future iterations of mutants that he combines with himself where this feels like an, you know, especially with the reveals of this is the diamond sinister, this is the club sinister, this is the spade sinister. Obviously, Charles is not the heart sinister because he has a diamond on his head. But pairing that with all of these reveals that these people have been sinister the whole time, I'm just like, it's a crazy, amazing reveal. I'm just very confused about what it means and how it like ties into like, okay, he was just resurrected so is just this resurrected version of him have this sinister part of him or so. has it been there the whole time? I don't think so. I think it's just this version. But again, this is a last page reveal in a right. prelude issue to kick off an event. So all these questions, all this wondering, all this confusion, that's going to get explored and answered in the event. Right. It is kind of frustrating that you, you built this up and then you leave us with this giant tease we get Sins of Sinister number one next week. Yes, we do. I just want Sins of Sinister to be about Sinister and not about Charles. I think it is going to be about Sinister and, and how he's working through other things and just all of his chimeras and all of his plots and all of his plans. Mm-hmm. All of his sins. Mm-hmm. Well, our next issue is the Sins of Sinister. Indeed it is. We kind of talked about it, but what do you think? I mean, I thought it was a really great issue. I I really like the juxtaposition of a voiceover and telling one story and the art telling another story. I like seeing Sinister's crazy lab and seeing his takedown and, and watching him go into the pit and wondering what that all is going to be. And I, I mean, it, it, it was an epic ending to this portion of this story for oh, yeah. sure yeah uh, it's likely my favorite issue of immortal x-men i just feel like the amount that happened in this comparable to issue one with that last couple of pages of reveal mm-hmm. and the implications that this could mean going forward the balance of narration from Xavier with all the action and plot and takedown of Sinister. I felt like that is what we've been building to over these 10 issues. And to know that this is just the end of Immortal X-Men for now, and then it continues into Immortal X-Men and the event itself, like such an interesting way to then build from there. Like I just felt like this was a high point for a series that, you know, not every issue has been great, mm-hmm. but it's all been really interesting. It's all been really plot driven. It's all been sinister working in the background for his big plans. Yeah, totally. I thought it was a really great Charles focus. I loved the reasoning that he gives for the different things, his explanations, the power that he wields and keeps in check. You know, the fact that he is a jerk, but could be a lot worse. And mm-hmm. I thought that that was really compelling and interesting. 
Uh, I really, I really like the whole Magneto thing. Wise guy 73, 1701. I really need the diamond explained. Is Xavier just wearing makeup when he, when we see him with his non diamond head? I can't, I can't imagine that he's wearing makeup coming out of the egg. Right. Right. So I don't know if it's like hidden or somehow being manipulated or right. So these, these are questions that we're not going to be able to know until we read the issues. Right. I mean, I think it would just be, it'd be different if we never, ever saw him without his helmet on. And it's just like, to, for me to be a person who's like, I want to go back and look through the art and to look and be like, okay, at, at what point is this diamond appear? Like, there's no points where after he's resurrected, his body is like swapped out again. So I, I understand that question of like, where did it come from? Sure. Because yeah. if we didn't see Xavier's forehead after he was resurrected, then I would be like, oh, he was resurrected with this like extra sinister part of him that we are now going to get to explore. But we don't because because it feels so like confusing that it's just like, wait, what? How did that? How are you going to show me his forehead just a few pages before without it? But then, I mean, what you're saying about Sinister being able to to hide it, but then that also means that from the moment of resurrection that Charles is conscious of the fact that he has it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Which leads me to believe that if he's going to be conscious about the fact that he has it immediately, then it's in his backup, then he already had it before that point. Maybe. Yeah. You know? Right. Like, that's where it's like, what? Like, if you're really going to try to dissect it, and say, well, if you're if you're covering it up, you got to know it exists, and you got to know to cover it up immediately. But then you come out of the egg, like, and I know, like, maybe all of this is a little bit too picky, but it's like you come out of the egg without having your consciousness uploaded, and then it gets uploaded to you, so you wouldn't have the forethought to to hide it. So, at what point do you get it? You know? Sure. Uh, Eric Huffman's also asking. I don't know what's going on with Chuck. What does it mean? We don't know. You know, there's there's thoughts, there's predictions, there's sinister weeding himself into it all. But we'll have to read more to find out. Yeah, for, for, for sure. Definite. And we will be reading Sins of Sinister. There oh, is yeah. no doubt about that. Planet X-Men asks, are Exodus and Emma sinister too? Interesting, because the three of them are revealed. And you know that Mark, Mark Brooks cover yeah. image. They came out of the egg all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that's a possibility for sure. I think so. Warline said, Xavier never got rid of Sinister's backup that's dormant in him. Fire emoji, fire emoji. So that was the one that I was talking about previously. So that's the question. How long has it been in his mind? Right. Has it always been there? Is it, was it just waiting for an opportunity to reveal itself to us, but not to the world, right? Mm-hmm. He's been rereading the, the Sinister Secrets and saw that Secret 10 hinted at the sinister possession, which is great. Uh, and Xavier mentioning that people have the right to be afraid of mutants is something that he loves seeing in X-Books, especially since fans take the allegory a little too far in without seeing that most of the X-Men's problems are actually other mutants, that Magneto killed a lot of innocent people and so did many other mutants. Well, I... I get like what he what he's saying totally like right that's that's a hundred percent true. It's like with all of the super powered people in all of the universes, there are always evil versions of them, which are gonna make you fear anyone 
it and it also really plays into like um just general stereotypes or like racism or aversions to or like fears of other cultures right like if you all if you have this thought in your mind that one person from this group has done something of harm to you then there's a chance that you could then assume all people from that group would do this thing which is not necessarily the right thing to assume no but at the same time, if you're experiencing someone like Magneto doing something terrible to you and then you run into another mutant, you see where the fear comes from. But then at the same point, you think about like where you on the flip side of that, you want to have you want people to have compassion and understanding. You want to think like just because this person down the street is a serial killer doesn't mean that every person is a serial killer right right right. so there's that balance but they do have the potential a lot of mutants have very terrifying powers so and they could do they have the potential like you're saying to do these terrible things so it is a good it's a good point and it's a nice it's a nice thing for him to acknowledge like their fear isn't based in nothing but we just want them to see that they don't have to assume that they need to be afraid of everyone. Right. Well, and it's just especially interesting just thinking about how mutants are always feared as they're going to supplant the humans, right? And you keep on saying that, you keep on putting that out there, and you keep on attacking them. It's like, okay, well, maybe we should, right? Right. And, and yeah, we do have this amazing power, so maybe we should do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, are you creating the evil that you fear? Right. Michael Fox feels as though... I can read Immortal X-Men all over again and still be shocked at the final twist being the biggest head-scratcher within the series so far. So many implications with a single panel. My goodness, Sins of Sinister has me excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's so many questions. And it's just, what? how many years are we going forward in time and how much information are we going to get about it? Because <laughs> let's go. Mike Loves Mariah Carey loved the battles in Immortal 10 and that final reveal. This and issue 9 have been the favorite of the series. How will Sins of Sinister start next week? Is Storm the only non-sleeper agent? Question mark, right? So we're talking about how is it Exodus and, and Emma? Is it is it Hope? Is it... Right, because Hope was resurrected at the same time same as them time, as well. Right? I, that's what I said back to Planet X-Men. I was like, and Hope? Question mark? Uh I think Storm is the only one that's off the table as who it could be because she's never died. She's never been resurrected. Mm. And then you think about how... Well, you all... And then you think about how big a point that she is in the Brotherhood of Mutants and with the Iraqi and how they have never been resurrected. Right. And if you're going to talk about it in, in that sense that it's like a sleeper agent situation, then there's two things I want to say. One is... Maybe the reason it appears at the end is because there's some sort of like fail safe of like if Sinister's in the pit, it trigger like mm-hmm. it triggers something to like activate within. activate my sleeper agents within these people. So then I can have control and I can manipulate the council and I can get myself out of the pit and I can whatever. Right. Because we know that Sinister's got all sorts of like crazy Layers. things happening. But the other thing is. If Sinister is the originator of the the DNA database, mm-hmm. who's to say that he didn't literally implant part of himself in every single DNA sample? Right. And then as soon as you're resurrected for the first time, 
you have sinister. a piece of sinister in you, yeah. which is going to affect every single person who's been resurrected. Right, right. Because he could have implanted himself, like when he's like, oh, you want me to create a database of every single mutant, all of this DNA, I'm just going to put my DNA in all of this. And then, so then you have to think like, which mutants have never been resurrected? Right. And they would be the only ones who would be the defense against this sinister universe because they're the only ones who don't have that altered DNA. Yeah, the Pikiku is on that same train. I think we need to make a list of every mutant who hasn't needed resurrection since we'll need them now. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Right. Also, I just want everyone to know, I didn't know that the Pikiku said that, okay? Sure. I, just, I don't know. I don't read the questions or comments until Justin says them out loud. Yeah. Vaderino said, Immortal, whoa, huge reveal. So it looks like Sinister has poisoned the whole gene pool with himself. Again, same idea that we're just mm-hmm. talking about. Because of course he would. That explains why Storm is so important in Sins of Sinister. I wonder if the reason for all the Nightcrawlers is related to the massive number of resurrections that he went through during Judgment Day. Mm. This may be the ultimate Sinister scheme. It explains the cover of Emma with the diamond on her forehead. Everyone that's been resurrected is a potential Sinister. Yeah. I think that that's that's exactly what we're talking about. That's exactly where we're leading. Interesting. Yeah. Blonde China said, Immortal was everything. I love these beta version chimeras. Yeah. Although pretty sure Blob was a part of the iBoy and Cyclops one. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Part of me was like, is that just Cronenberging, you know, like (laughs) not forming into a a person? But Cronenberging. Interesting to see what will happen with the Xavier reveal and wonder if it's just him or the others resurrected. Emma, Hope, Exodus. There was a cover with them with diamonds, right? So LV Duart had sent me that cover the other day. It's a connecting variant of the issues ones, and it doesn't look good for the council as those four all have diamonds on their foreheads. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I think we, we figured it out. I think we're go- that's where we're going. I think we've got it. Right. I think he definitely played with that resurrection uh, juice <laughs> <laughs> played in the sauce, which would that would also be kind of interesting and similar to OG Essex splitting into the four different suits, right? Mm. So splitting himself into other versions. Curls is not ready for sins of sinister. In, inserts panic screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I love curls. The issue didn't have a lot of. Kieran's humor in it. I wonder if there will be a moods shift in Sins, mm. which is interesting, right? There's a lot more of the jokes and or a comedy play in a handful of the others. Can't be sinister, right? This right. was a very serious sinister. This was sinister well, this going was a to work. Very scared sinister. Sure, right? As he should be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, well, at the same time, he's got his backups, right? right. He's only on Moira 1, 7.1. Mm hmm. Rem Springer said, Kanon is going to be. Sorry, I just thought of something. You just said that. He said a backup at the beginning of this. Yep. And maybe that's how we wrap up Sins of Sinister. That's how Sins of Sinister doesn't. Right. No, I, I destroy think Destroy so. everything. Because yeah. we, we get a fresh backup now. And somehow we're just going to reset to this time point. Right. No, that's that's what I thought a while ago is just that that. 
there's got to be a way that we undo, right? Mm -hmm. There's got to be a way that we leave the age of apocalypse and we go back to the 616. There's got to be a way that this potential future doesn't happen and we continue with the Krakoan era the way that it would go if not for Sinister's machinations. Mm -hmm. Remspringer said... Kanon is going to be pissed she wasn't invited to the mass storming of Sinister's hideout. <laughs> and it yeah. totally that's totally true. Yeah. She, if, I mean, she's on that list of people that have been personally wronged by yes. Nathaniel Essex. Raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by yeah. Regina George. A.M. <laughs> Friedrich said, the X-Men were leading the charge on Sinister. Did they forget Havoc again? <laughs> he quit the team. He's no, off. those were those were the X-Men that Charles hand-selected. Yeah, that was like the OGs plus... And you know Charles didn't hand-select Havoc. The giant size? No, he he was just the brother that glommed on. And then Lorna showed up. A.M. Friedrich was also wondering, why isn't anyone checking the pit? <laughs> why is no one looking here? I, I'm curious to see what the pit looks like after that Wolverine issue. Yeah, that's and true. what the effect is and the fact that you now have Sinister down there and what that could mean. Charles is the diamond sinister, right? Like there's still a heart out there. And I, I yes. do believe that there's still yes, a heart there's out there. That this is not there. to replace who the heart is. LV Duart asks, are all the immortal X-Men diamond sinisters now? And is Charles possessed by sinister or is a corruption of sorts? Mm. Yeah. I think that yeah, that's... Yeah, I think that's... that's We're all smarty pants. We're all... We figured it out. We're on to you, Marvel. We're all hanging around the same idea. It's like, okay, Sinister is corrupting some of the mutants, maybe all of them, through resurrection. Through resurrection. He's got his seedy little hands and everything. Right. And it's, it's definitely through Xavier, mm-hmm. which makes you wonder, is it through the other three that died at the same time? Yeah. And I mean, when you're getting those images of them with diamonds on their heads, it's like, right, you know. And and also to think about the specific need to kill hope, mm-hmm. right? So two issues ago, however many issues ago, the the many lives and many deaths of Moira. Yeah, it was always about killing hope, right? And it was always about like some of the other, the priority levels of who to take down. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. That was like I'm just really trying to think about who hasn't been resurrected. Does 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 old lady Laura count? Yeah. But not sink. Has Jean been yeah. Jean's been resurrected. Jean's been resurrected from the storming of Orcus. Has magic been resurrected? Uh not that I know of. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Um Kate has been. Kate, yeah. I don't think Cannonball has. Danny Moonstar? Not that I know of. Definitely Storm, obviously. That's what we're all talking about. Roberto has been. Yes, a couple times. Iceman? I don't think so. All right. We're going to think about this. I think we're going to make that list for the Pikachu. Oh, God. And for us all. Not not like, I think it's just, all right. That's a big at- ask, but we'll, we'll, we'll make a generalized thought bubble list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you ready for next week? No. <laughs> I mean, so we, we've talked about it. Sins of Sinister number one. That's the, that's the heat coming that's out next week. That's the big ones. But there's also a lot of other big ones. Like what? Like Exterminators number five. Oh, no. In the same week. I can't. I, I don't want it to be over. Like Midnight Suns number five. Whoa. You're going to have a crazy week. I'm going to cry. All my books are ending. It's true. 
Sabretooth and the Exiles number three is coming. Ooh, yeah. Amazing Spider-Man number 18. And mm. Murder World Wolverine, which All is part right. of the Murder World series. And that's the one with the cover that everybody had suspicions of because old lady Laura was on there oh. with Laura. Suspect. Suspect. Hey, this is probably our longest episode ever. Maybe. Could be. Could be. But we'll never know until... Until it's edited. Right. Ha-ha! Well, until next time, old friend. Nathaniel! Oh, God. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 